wake up, sweetheart. Hi, this is Grace. And as most of you know, I am on this epic road trip, moving from where I was living um, all the way across the country, 3,000 miles to a new location, <laughs> a new undisclosed location. <laughs> Somewhere vaguely in the Northeast. Exactly. And um, as you probably noticed, I have someone here with me. I'm very, very excited. Um, I have Phoenician Sailor here with me. Um, say hi. Hi. <laughs> hi. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Uh, Grace and I, I met Grace last night, mm -hmm. and uh, we had dinner and talked and decided to try and do some kind of voice recording uh, tonight. She... You're in D.C. for, I just snapped my pen. <laughs> um, you're in D.C. until? Until 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay. So long before this will ever see the light of day. Yep, you'll be, I'll be gone. You'll be gone. So anyone <laughs> trying, hoping to have come to D.C. to find Grace, you're, you're too late. Um, you catch me if you can. <laughs> Uh, but we had a really, I thought, a really interesting conversation mm -hmm. over dinner last night and uh, seemed like, uh, like you said, like it was more like the start of a conversation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and why not record the rest of the conversation? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're really excited to share the rest of our conversation with you guys. Um, <laughs> we had such a great time last night. We closed down the restaurant. They kicked us out. Yeah. <laughs> so basically everybody now is getting the punchline but not the setup. Yeah. So... Hopefully, we'll have to give them some context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we talked about so many interesting topics last night, and we were just sitting here. Um, we've been sitting here talking for another 30 minutes, um, trying to decide what we wanted to talk about for you guys. Um, so we are super excited to do this little recording, and neither one of us are sure quite how we're going to present this to our audiences. Um, and mine might be um, my Wake Up With Grace podcast, or it could be for my patrons. Um, and I'm not sure what you're going to be doing. Yeah, probably, probably for patrons, I would mm -hmm. think. Um, and I don't know, I'm leaving it open, I guess. I don't know, yeah. uh, whatever yeah. we mutually decide on, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but it, it is interesting, I think, to note that when we sat down here um, in this unnamed hotel uh, to talk about what we were going to talk about and not talk about, we ended up talking for like over 30 minutes yeah. <laughs> um, and going off on all these tangents and then being like, oh, darn, we're not recording any of this. Yes, yeah. So we finally decided just to stop and hit the record button yeah. and uh, we'll see what happens. I'm going to recreate some of those uh, funny jokes and make them seem like it's the yeah. first time. <laughs> that. <laughs> exactly. So what should we start with? I, so you had mentioned shoes. Yeah, I and hate I, wearing shoes. I was intrigued by that. It's, <laughs> it, it's, I don't know where like shoes would fit in like to the natural course of any conversation. So we could just start talking yeah. about why you don't like shoes. Yeah, let's start with shoes. So I really hate wearing shoes. And I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> um, I can't stand it. It makes me feel claustrophobic. And I like feel the earth or the carpet or whatever under my feet. It makes me feel more grounded. That's interesting. I don't wear a seatbelt for the, for the same reason. Really? Yeah. Like oh, I, I, feel, always, I always wear a seatbelt. I'm, I'm uh, super, oh, I have a story about that too. Well, so the, that, but that, that I, my, my compromise because my car won't let me not wear a seatbelt without mm -hmm. annoying me with a six beeps every, uh, 
20 seconds and I'm not guessing like it is six beeps every 20 seconds and I know that because (laughs) yeah it's happened so much I will uh you know strap the lap belt and then put the shoulder belt behind me and I had uh somebody uh in the car see me do that and go oh were you a cop right um because I guess that's something that police officers will do so they can get out of Mm -hmm. the car really fast they'll just fasten the seat belt but sit on top of it Mm -hmm. which I didn't anyway but not a cop never been a cop Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm but sorry. You played one on TV. <laughs> I, I, I did. I've, I've played various corrupt law enforcement <laughs> officials, and that's redundant. <laughs> um, I thought we were going to say politics to oh, the last. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. There are, of course, yeah, we'll say politics to the last, but of course there are plenty of, of boys in blue who are, who are honorable people. Yeah. But the institution itself is... Uh, a mess, but anyway, mm-hmm. so shoes. <laughs> shoes. <laughs> so um, until I think, I think this stems from the fact that um, I was born in the Southwest and raised in a very warm climate, so it wasn't necessary for me to wear shoes. Um, and I actually didn't get my first pair of shoes until I was two years old. But when you when you say it wasn't necessary for you to wear shoes, you you went outside. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean. Until I was two years old, so oh, you know, I, I was like I wasn't really walking yet, you know. So I was a baby, and then a so toddler. you're saying because it wasn't cold enough that you needed that I needed shoes. Okay, yeah. So I actually didn't get my first pair of shoes until I was two years old, and they were a pair of moccasins that didn't have any sole, like hard sole. They were just soft slip-on shoes, um, and I wore those until we moved to the Midwest, where it was snowing and cold, and I actually had to get real shoes. Um, and my mom said I would cry and throw a fit and scream. How old were you then? Um, I think I was like three and a half or four. Well, imagine. Yeah. I guess like imagine Mm -hmm. if if you had to wear the equivalent of shoes on your hands Mm -hmm. after like four years of not doing it. And Mm -hmm. like, I could imagine how that would feel horrible if you weren't acclimated to it Mm -hmm. from a very young age. Um, yeah, I do, I, I'm not wearing shoes right now. Neither of us are <laughs> Neither wearing one of us are wearing shoes. shoes. Right <laughs> yeah, and I put very, like I have, these are like croc, not not the crocs that have the holes in them, <laughs> the fabric crocs that you can just kind of slip on and, and kick off and they're all beaten. I don't put much, uh, well, I don't put much thought into clothes, clothes in general, mm-hmm. but yeah, shoes are probably, how comfortable are they? How quickly can I get them off? How breathable are they? Yes. This is going to be the most boring. (laughs) (laughs) It's so hot and sexy. (laughs) Anybody still listening? (laughs) Whoa, whoa, McFly. No, Bueller, Bueller. So, so now, now you, do you, are you partial to like a type of shoe? Like, yeah. Well, um, I prefer just flip flops. That's See, my favorite. But so, but that's interesting because I find flip flops mm-hmm. horribly uncomfortable. Really? Yeah, like I, I can't stand them. Oh. Um, wow. I I prefer like something like a like a slipper. <laughs> what, 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 comment below what your favorite. <laughs> right kind of shoe is yeah tell us if you like to wear shoes or don't like to wear shoes i have another kind of funny um shoe story so um when i was a toddler it uh, and went after you know we had moved to um where it was cold my mom started putting me in these you know like onesie pajama things that had feet oh, yeah, in them. The feeties footies footy pajamas and, yeah or... exactly and every morning she would come to get me out of bed 
and the onesie would be across the room in the corner and I would be laying in my bed freezing to death <laughs> just wearing like my underwear you hated the shoes so much mm-hmm. that you completely dis you yeah. got rid of the whole onesie off every night see my recollection of those footy pajamas is mm-hmm. they were the greatest thing in the world because the bottom was like this slippery vinyl mm-hmm. and you could run across like a tiled floor and then like mm-hmm. skid <laughs> <laughs> that, that that would be fun um yeah but i so she you know i did this like night after night after night you know and um you know, my, I love my mom, but she's a little bit of a worry wart. And she was like, oh, God, she's going to get sick, you know, and she's going to freeze to death. So she finally figured out, she's like, I'm going to do a little experiment. I'm going to cut the feet out of them. And I'm going to put it back on her and see what happens. And she cut the feet out and she put them back on me and I never took them off again. That's... I hate having my feet covered. <laughs> well, you know, you, but you know, there, there's so mm-hmm. being a father of two, mm-hmm. um, I had a situation um with my daughter uh that came about because of socks uh, well because socks were um getting in the way of seeing my daughter's feet when she was like two um she was in pain for like a few hours and oh. could not express why and couldn't even express where or mm-hmm. how um and we were trying to figure out what the issue was finally took off her sock one of my ex-wife's hairs had wrapped around her toe and was oh, cutting off circulation to her toe. Mm-hmm. And her toe was like blue. It was, it was really oh, no. like if we had not. And she, for some reason, she couldn't like indicate where she was. Right. She was just crying. It was just too little. Yeah. yeah it probably and, hurt too bad. And honestly, like, like babies, they cry and they mm-hmm. cry for hours sometimes right. for no reason at right. all. Um, so it's, uh, I think maybe advice for new parents, especially if you have long hair, Check your kids' toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, I would never think about that. Yeah, it's a public yeah. service announcement. Yep. <laughs> also, ruined our vacuum cleaners. Long hairs oh, wow. just destroys things. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It kind of does. Yeah, I I had really long hair. My hair was like down to here before but I left on was, the trip. My hair was down to my belt when I was, was it a really? teenager. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was a metalhead. It was uh, <laughs> it was repulsive. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> No, but I was just to say, um, yeah, it's amazing. Like it's just, it's everywhere. Like you wake up in the morning, it's in the bed. It's like down the shower drain. It's well, everywhere. It's terrible. For me, I would wash my hair and go to bed and I'd wake up and it'd still be wet. Mm-hmm. Unless I spent like an hour mm-hmm. or half an hour drying yeah. it. I remember, and I never had the patience to do that. So I would just take a shower and then go to bed and I'd wake up and my hair would still mm-hmm. be wet. And it was, yeah. uh, and I was born and raised in Miami. And I remember at this time, like I, so I had really long straight hair and I had, um, uh, a beard. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I would sometimes when I would be like on eighth street in the bodegas or whatever, sometimes I would hear people go like, Jesucristo, Jesucristo. <laughs> uh, because apparently I looked a little bit like Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, that was, I, I look back on pictures from that time and I think, oh, that was unfortunate. <laughs> that, that so easily we, solved. We all have old photos like that. Yeah. yeah um, my parents, my mom really likes perms. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, she would give me perms all the time. And there was one year. I, I would love to see a picture of you oh, with the perm. Yeah, it's it's pretty. It's was pretty it like a like a? <laughs> oh, it was like it was like a full on of... like white white fro. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, and then one year, my mom was sick, 
And she had just given me a perm. And she told my dad, this is before my dad died. She told my dad, she's like, now her school pictures are tomorrow. So you make sure that you comb out her hair before you send her to school to get her picture done. She goes, otherwise it's going to, you know, it's going to be like crazy. He didn't. Yeah, no, I, I knew where this was going. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. So he just sent me to school. And everybody called me Annie for like the next six months, you know, Annie from the the musical. Yeah. Because it was so curly and tight. And of course I had glasses, you know, I was a little nerd. And, uh, (laughs) but see, that sounds endearing to me. That Mm -hmm. sounds, that sounds, you have to show me, you have to send me a picture. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to have to find that one. Um, That should be the, if we have a thumbnail for this video, it should Mm -hmm. be you with a perm from a... (laughs) From when you're six or yeah. something. <laughs> it's so funny, though. It, I mean, it really was like, <laughs> it was just so tight against my head. And, of course, my mom got the pictures back, you know, and, of course, my dad was like, oh, yeah, I thought, yeah, it was fine. It was fine, you know, and then we got the pictures back, and my mom was like, oh, my God, how can you let her go to school like that? <laughs> but your mom got you the perm. She did. Yeah, she did. So, you know. Yeah, my mom loves her perms. She, um... <laughs> She still gives herself one <laughs> all the time. <laughs> She's really into them. As I, I can remember when I was a kid, my um, I, I didn't know what they were, but I, when I was very little, I would go into, obviously you go into your parents' rooms and you look around for stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess my mom had like a set of rollers, right? Mm-hmm. To me, they were bowling pins. I remember like just taking them and always like <laughs> setting them up and then rolling a golf ball mm-hmm. or a tennis yeah. ball towards them. And I had no idea what they were actually used for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they were they were curlers i guess is that still a thing like do they still have like the sets of like yeah i think they do um like my mom's best friend was a hairdresser for years and she's retired now but um yeah like her and her girls they have like the full like the hot curler sets do you remember those (laughs) when they sit on the counter and you like burn the shit out of yourself um I remember getting burned. Yeah. From, well, I do remember getting burned from a girlfriend's uh, mm-hmm. curler, but that was like, you know, the one with the oh, the, the clamp. curling iron. Yeah. I yeah. Guess it's yeah, iron. yeah. So I yeah, they have those, and just like all this stuff, it destroys your hair. I yeah. Mean, the perms and the the heat and just all of that stuff just destroys your hair. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, a very very much a minimalist when it comes to personal care products um first of all i'm really careful about what i use i make sure they don't have any sulfates in them and you know they're animal based and plant or not animal based <laughs> they're not animal There's nothing based. like a, a lard based <laughs> shampoo <laughs> at least my hair's so thick and luxurious <laughs> no they're plant-based meaning they don't have any animal products or any animal testing um and yeah, and I try to make sure they're just as natural as possible because, yeah, you just destroy. And, you know, the other thing I don't think people realize, and this is me getting off on my soapbox tangent, soapbox tangent. Well, this is a good, maybe a good segue into uh, talking about that stuff. We've been going yeah, on. yeah, it might be. Um, so, you know, I think one of the things that people don't realize, especially women, is that all of these products that we put on our skin and in our hair, they go straight into our bloodstream. Um, and so whatever is in those products goes right into your bloodstream. Um, and then, you know, your organs have to filter it out and it's kind of interesting. And this is, this is not, let me just make a disclaimer here. This is not substantiated by, um, you know, any, uh, I don't have sources to back this up. Let's just say that. But, um, You know, it's kind of interesting that as our environment has gotten more toxic and as we've gotten more and more of these products into our bodies, the 
infertility rates are rising accordingly. So I, I do know that infertility rates are rising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. it is interesting to know what the correlation there mm-hmm. might be. Right. I don't want Johnson & Johnson coming after me. Correct. So <laughs> I, think, I think. So um, there's potentially, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. Right. Right. So let's just kind of put that out there. Um, it's probably one of, it's, it's multi-factor. Right? It's well, probably, yeah, because there are a lot more environmental toxins as yeah, well, um, yeah. you know, in our water and our food and the air. You know, so it's just our environment is just becoming more and more toxic in a lot of different ways. And I think personal care products, especially for women, because a lot of these makeups, um, they've tested them and they actually have really high levels of lead in them, including it's not just the cheap brands. That's not good for you? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I I think last year, it was either 2017 or 2016 was the first year in like 20 or 30 years where the life expectancy of a, a, of a United States male and female mm-hmm. both uh, didn't rise. Yeah. I don't think it went down, but I think it stayed the same. Mm-hmm. And there, you, I, I'm talking a little bit out of my ass here because I don't have the figures, mm-hmm. but I remember uh, seeing that. So, and I mean, it's not surprising. Obviously, there's diminishing returns. You can't, your telomeres aren't going to last forever no matter how well you treat True. them. Um, but yeah, there's certainly things you can do to accelerate. Uh, your own demise and maybe that's maybe that's a bad thing maybe that's a good thing depending on your view on <laughs> life <I suppose. laughs> the world is overpopulated <laughs> uh, there is an argument to be made yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so uh, it is uh, interesting to think about and speculate about what those causes could be because Smoking is almost gone, right? right? Uh, right. I mean, people are vaping, but the, and even if vaping is bad for you, mm-hmm. it's nowhere near as it, as bad mm-hmm. as smoking, right? right? So, um, or it would be. I mean, I say that again, and I'm I'm not sure of that, yeah. but I'm I, I would be shocked if that were the case. And uh, so there are like life habits that have changed mm-hmm. that you would think would keep adding up to you know decreasing cancer rates and and uh, more longevity. Um, but it's not happening, so why, mm-hmm. you know? Um, right. And then we have to start looking at, so you're a vegan, right? Mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. yes. How uh, for long? 12 years now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've, I've been a vegan for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm glad I have a good influence on you. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I, I was a vegan. <laughs> I have, I guess for me, like, uh, and I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, steal the, the vegan thunder in any way. I do feel like there is a, uh, we all, consumption is brutality, right? Like mm-hmm. that's just yeah. the way it is. And it's whether it's the what you eat or if, if you exist, you exist at the cost of something, mm-hmm. right? So it's all about minimizing how much suffering your existence, for, for, this is my, just my own personal like, way of looking at it. Minimizing how much suffering your personal existence and needs and wants cause on other non-humans mm-hmm. um, and, and humans, but honestly, really like non-humans because they're innocent and we're complicit, yeah. right? Um, so I've gone through periods where I was vegan, uh, gone through long periods where I was vegetarian. I'm not right now, but I generally only eat fish uh, mm-hmm. and some chicken. Um uh, but I certainly, uh, I feel like part of, like a lot of people get turned off, right, by, by veganism. Mm-hmm. And it, it might be that kind of false dichotomy. Like I feel like if, 
we can be like, hey, no, 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 just don't do it so much, right? Like, you know, think about it. Like, yeah. you know, think about what the ramifications are of what you're doing. Uh, you know, when you, you know, make yourself watch that video of, uh, you know, there's that, that very popular video where the cow is chasing a truck that just pick a, picked up one of its calves, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And they're like, oh, cows don't you know, even know that they're their calves or, you know, all, all these oh, ridiculous arguments. They cry and, for days yeah, and days Yeah, and, and, and pigs are the worst, right? Pigs are, yeah. pigs are, um, I, I can't eat, like I haven't eaten pork and Right, know, well, they're just as smart years. as a five-year-old child. Yeah, yeah, smarter well. Smarter than dogs. Yeah, and smarter than probably a lot of five-year-olds. Yeah, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Right, so yeah, I have, I, like I can't, I got to the point where I could not, I still somehow can disconnect myself and be selfish enough to say, well, yeah, I'm still going to eat a chicken, right? But I can't do it with a pig. Like, I, can't, I just can't. Like, um, so I don't necessarily think that you need to, like, go out and slaughter your own pig to know, but you should uh, you should watch the process. You should know, like, what goes on in these slaughterhouses, in these abattoirs. Um, and uh, if you can still move forward with it, then you can still move forward with it, but you're doing so not out of ignorance and mm-hmm. you're probably going to be more moderate uh, just as a result of being exposed to that stuff. But I'm sorry, So, right. you, but you are a, a dyed-in-the-wool, well, not the wool, <laughs> dyed-in-the-art synthetic wool. <laughs> were your moccasins leather when you were a kid? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question, probably. <laughs> but you didn't, have, you, you didn't have autonomy yet. So yes, you're, that's you're, true. Um, that's my fault. <laughs> so you're 100% vegan. Yeah, yeah. yeah I am. Um, now, I haven't been 100% vegan for... 12 full years because, you know, coming from a background that, you know, my, my family's from the Midwest, um, you know, by way of Appalachia. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of Southern, you know, kind of Midwestern farm style cooking. So, you know, very animal product heavy. Yeah. Um, Butter on everything. Right. Yeah. 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 Very meat and dairy heavy. Um, you know, I remember growing up, we usually had one of two vegetables. We either had green beans or corn. Yep. Those were the vegetables. Yep. Um, you know, and in the summer, we'd have some fruit that we'd grow ourselves, like cantaloupes or, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, that we didn't have a lot of variety in our diet. Um, and that was but one wait, of the, did you live on, mm-hmm. on a farm? Did you? Um, I didn't live on a farm. My grandparents had a farm. Um, so I would go spend a lot of the summers with them. So I got exposed to it that way. And then my mom you know, being a farm girl, um, we had a huge garden in our backyard and she was a housewife. So, you know, she took care of the house and we had huge gardens in the backyard and, you know, she would feed us and the neighbors and, you know, she would do all of her own cooking and, you know, we, we didn't have money. We were poor. Um, you know, uh, we had done a little better than some of her siblings because my dad had a factory job, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Was your grandparents' farm, was it a full farm or was it was it plant-based farm or did it do, did it have everything? With- so they kind of went back and forth with, like they always had chickens um, and for mainly for eggs, but they would also, you know, kill a chicken and, and eat it. Um, they had pigs kind of on and off, but I don't remember them ever like killing their own pig. It would be something that they would take like to a butcher or Mm. a neighbor or something, you know, and then like they get part of the pig and you get the rest of it. Um, I don't remember them ever really having cows. They had horses, donkeys, 
Um, and then a huge... They had donkeys. Huge garden, yeah. So my grandpa was a really interesting character. He was, um, he was from Kentucky, and he loved to trade things. Oh, okay. So he would, he would leave the house in the morning with a car, and he'd come home with a horse and a buggy. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like, it's like that game of like where they, you start with a paperclip and see if right. you can get up to it. Exactly. <laughs> Only he usually was going the opposite direction, <laughs> which drove my grandma nuts. Um, yeah. So, you know, he would, he would just make all these bizarre trades. And so they'd end up with weird animals sometimes, you know, my grandma's like, what are we going to do with this? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was like, what do you do with the donkey? Yeah, <laughs> well, you use it to plow. Yeah. Um, you know, because they didn't have electronic farm equipment for a very long time. Um, you know, so you could use it to plow. You could ride it. You could use it to pull a buggy. You know, um, my grandpa was really big into, like, the buggy culture down there. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <yeah. laughs> it's like, it's Amish country. So, you know, mm. there's lots, lots of buggies and stuff. And he would trade with the Amish a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily like, like, I think when we say farm nowadays, we kind of think of these big agricultural, um, operations, you know, where they're producing all this food to sell and, you know, yeah, like it's like a money making intensive farming. Yeah. yeah. Intensive farming. Yeah. It's like a money making scheme. Right. For them, it was just survival, um, you know, survival for them and their family and their neighbors. And, you know, they kind of did what they had to do. Um, they weren't making any money at it. That's for sure. Did that, well, so did that affect your, so you were exposed to the slaughter of animals. You were exposed to that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I actually, (laughs) I, I kind of was a baby vegan for a while. Um, one summer we went down to the farm and, you know, grandma always would, go get the chicken and she'd wring its neck and chop it off and hang it upside down on the clothesline, you know, a few feet away from our clothes that were drying. (laughs) And, you know, we would have chicken and I used to love fried chicken. Right. But I didn't really understand where it came. I mean, I knew, I knew where it came from, but I didn't really get it. I'm imagining that. I'm imagining your clothes (laughs) is like having like little spots of blood. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so nasty. Um, Yeah. I think about it now and I'm just like, (laughs) but she decided one summer that it was time for me to learn how to properly kill and dress a chicken because that was an important skill for a future wife because you know, I grew up in a very, very conservative religious family, religious community environment. And my job was to get married and have children and take care of my home and my family. It wasn't to get an education or to work. Hmm. That was something that, you know, the wrong kind of women did. Wow. <laughs> and um, so, you know, my grandma wanted me to be a good wife. And so she, this is something a wife needs to know how to do. You need to know how to properly kill and dress a chicken and make dinner for your family. Um, so so I was probably like 11 or 12 or something. And she, you know, right, we went out to the chicken house and she just grabbed the chicken up. You know, there's a certain way you got to grab them, you know, so they don't scratch you or get yeah, away. Yeah. And, you know, we took it to where we were going and... You know, she had a certain way that she would break its neck 
because it had to be quick. Right. She didn't want them to suffer. Right. You know, um, and it's, it's really interesting. And I'll kind of do a little tangent here. It's really interesting because when you talk to a lot of people who, you know, do make their own food, they don't want the animals to suffer. Like they don't want to hurt anything. They're, they're not being malicious when they're doing this. It's out of necessity. And they really don't see animals as sentient beings or anything other than commodities, you know, um, a way or even partners, actually a part. I think partners is a better word. You know, um, they provide, you know, we provide them with something, they provide us with something, you know, and there's a fair exchange there. And then, you know, we, we need to use them. That's what they're there for. Um, so there's, there was nothing malicious about it, you know, and she actively went out of her way to try to make sure that they didn't suffer and she would never be cruel to anything. I mean, you right. know, and if she saw us being mean to a dog or a cat, you know, we would, we would get the switch. I mean, right. we'd get whipped. So, yeah. And that's part of what's missing from intensive farming, right? Is mm-hmm. you have, it, it's, it's like, you know, if a sow is sick, it's like just dragged out and yeah. scream. I mean, there, it, it is, uh, there is no, there's no room for compassion mm-hmm. in a volume business, right. um, right. which is what, you know, these intensive mm-hmm. farming solutions are. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know I, if I had, so I was born, like I said, born and raised in, in Miami. So we did a lot of fishing. So mm-hmm. I did a lot of cleaning and scaling mm-hmm. my own fish, but a, a chicken is, um, less abstracted, uh, than a fish, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a pig is less abstracted than that. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know where you go from, from there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a dog maybe, right. It would be the, the most difficult thing for the well-adjusted <laughs> human to kill in order to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, because that, I think that's the line that we've drawn in the sand in our culture. Which where is arbitrary. Right? It's, it's totally arbitrary, arbitrary because if you go to other countries, that's considered a food animal. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of the line in the sand that culturally we've drawn between food animals and pets. Um, and I think that's where people's attitude shifts a little and they can't really see that animal as food anymore. Right. Um, you know, the perception of it changes. Yeah. And there's, there's a, a lot of hypocrisy around that, like Purina, right. They have, Mm -hmm. they have this thing called the, uh, the animal hall of fame where they, uh, uh, they, like very, very publicly will have this ad campaign uh, focused on rescue animals, right? Like in typically dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they are one of the sort of worst when it comes to the inhumane treatment of the animals that get put into their mm-hmm. food products, right? Yeah. So then they have, and that's just sort of illustrative of their hypocrisy is mm-hmm. like they're saying, okay, well, these animals are heroes, but you know, these other animals over here, right. you know, we, we treat them. Well, yeah. And I mean, speaking of pet food, <laughs> it's like the dregs of the dregs of right. the dregs yeah. of what's left over from the processing, um, along with some really other toxic 
disgusting things. So if you've ever researched what's actually in pet food, it's it's really vile. I, I, um, I haven't. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> okay, so back to my chicken story. Because <laughs> I know everyone's on the edge of their seat. Did she do it? <laughs> so, um, you know, my grandma didn't want the animal to suffer, so she broke its neck. <clears throat> and then she chops it chopped its head off um and then you let them run around for a little while because their what is it the sympathetic sympathetic nervous system, sympathetic nervous system is still active yeah so they'll the body will run right. around well yeah. after you cut the head off um and then she you hang it upside down on the clothesline because you want to get all the blood out of it right. otherwise the meat goes bad um and then once the, all the blood's drained out then that was my turn. <laughs> so I had to go get it off the clothesline um, and avoid the clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had to bring it in to the kitchen sink and you dunk it into um, a vat of boiling water because that loosens, it opens the pores, which loosens the feathers. Oh. So then you put it into a basin in the sink and you pluck it, get all the feathers off at it. And that's a very... Yeah, time intensive. I was gonna say that, that very time like... intensive. Yeah, and you have to get everything out, even the little quills. So if the feather breaks off, you've still got to try to get the quill out. So you've got a pair of pliers and you're pulling them out. And then once all that's done, then you dress it. So you've got a basically like a little chicken autopsy. You cut yeah, right down its stern. You do yeah. basically do a Y incision yeah. down the st- you know, down the abdomen and the sternum, crack its ribs open, and then you get all the organs out of it. You wash the cavity out you know, and get it to the point where you can then start butchering it into pieces, you know, legs, breasts, thighs, and then you prepare it like you normally would a chicken from the store. And at that point it is, uh, sufficiently removed from its live state that Mm -hmm. most people can look at it and not feel disgusted. Right. Yes. But, but if you, if you know, and this has happened to me, right, you Mm -hmm. buy chicken at a store and sometimes there will be a feather still. Mm -hmm. And, and that can be a, uh, disquieting right to see it's, it's a reminder like, oh, yeah exactly exactly yeah mm-hmm. um or a foot right um, yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah so actually what happened to me at that point when i had done all of that first of all i was like ready to puke almost the whole time i was just freaking out um and then i pretty much decided that i could never eat chicken on the bone ever again so from that point forward I never, the only kind of chicken I would ever eat was chicken breast. That was it. I could never eat chicken on the bone again. Um, And yeah, that was like for basically the rest of my life until I was vegan. I never ate like chicken. And then then what was it that that took you that one step further to veganism? Yeah, so um, I actually got injured. It was was for health reasons. Um, I... (laughs) In 2007, like summer of 2007, I was at the park with some friends and I squatted down to help lift up a table. There's people out in the hallway. (laughs) You might also occasionally hear the metro go by because we're right off the metro. (laughs) Actually, it went by a little little bit ago. (laughs) Funny. It's just ambiance. Just close your eyes and enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I stood up and I heard my knee go and it felt like my entire knee just shifted all the way to the right 
and I screamed oh at the God. top of my lungs and I fell over. <laughs> I like literally went, ah! <laughs> I'm still holding onto the table. <laughs> oh my God. And all my friends are like, what just happened? What? And so I, I couldn't straighten out my knee. I couldn't move it. It felt like so that's not it dislocated. Was completely. That's like... So I tore my ACL. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my knee went <laughs> moved because Yikes. my ACL tore, and there was nothing holding it in yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't. I couldn't move my leg, and it, I can't even describe the pain to you. Um, and we were we were at the park because we were <laughs> we were getting ready. It was Gay Pride Day, and the Gay Pride Parade was you know coming down the street. <laughs> So they were closing off the park, all the streets. And so one of my friends went and got his car like really quickly and they threw me into the car and they, you know, cause the hospital is right down the street. So they tried to get out of the park Well, the police didn't want to let them out. Of course, then they saw me like ah! <laughs> in the passenger seat and they're like, let us through. So they let us through. So went to the ER, you know, kind of did the whole thing. And then, um, yeah, I remember they wanted to do, I can't remember if it was like a CAT scan or an MRI on my leg. And um, one of them had to hold me down in the wheelchair and the other one grabbed the end of my leg and just yanked it. Because they said, we have to have it straight in order to do this test. And I screamed. I couldn't help it. Um, I just screamed. And they were like, we're so sorry. Um, and then they did their little test and they found out that I had completely torn my ACL. So, yeah, that but, wasn't fun. But how did that, like, how did that translate into you becoming? Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> so um, I went through about six months of physical therapy. And I finally got to the point where my insurance said they weren't going to pay for it anymore. And I was still walking with a cane. Um and just in horrible pain. And my last round of physical therapy, my therapist had mentioned to me that there, she said, well, tell me, you know, what your diet's like. Like, what do you eat? And I'm like, I'm like fast food twice a day and, you know, junk, <laughs> basically. Standard American diet, pretty right. much. Yeah. And she's like, you know that there are foods that cause inflammation in your body, right? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. You know, just like most people... We have no idea what food is doing to our bodies. Right. And I was like, no, I didn't know that. And I was like, well, what kind of foods? And she basically listed out everything that everything I ate. Everything you were eating, yeah. <laughs> That's like the, the Andrew Weil uh, school of thought on, mm -hmm. on, on foods that cause inflammation mm -hmm. and avoiding yeah. foods that cause mm -hmm. inflammation. And it's basically, yeah, like almost anything with animal mm -hmm. byproducts yeah. in it. Red meat, dairy products, <laughs> sugar, you know, like, yeah. like the list goes on and on. And I was a big soda consumer at that time, too. Um just like most Americans, I would have my fast food with an extra large Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, not great. I'm a, I'm a Coke. I, I'm totally, like, I drink Coke every day. Oh, do you? Every day of my life since oh, I was wow. probably five or six. Like, that's my, my, it's not my biggest vice, but it is, mm -hmm. like, one of the things is I, I, I could get rid of it. And uh, there were times where I'd, I've gone without it, but it's... Yeah, I, 
it's like my one concession I make to myself. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to drink Coke. Or whatever, <laughs> well, I'm that way with coffee, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, but see, I, I, it's not either or, right? I, I drink coffee oh, in the morning. you do both? And, <laughs> and then Coke afterwards, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I can't drink, di- like Diet, Diet Coke makes me feel Oh, Ill, it's so right? bad for yeah. you. Yeah. Like that artificial sweetener is... Yeah. Don't even get me started. Yeah, and even even the ones that aren't artificial, like even stevia or whatever, mm-hmm. even that will. Uh, I have like sensitive, sensitive digestion, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so like any sort of artificial sweetener gives me a stomachache mm-hmm. essentially. You know? Yeah, and then even like I say, stevia is apparently mm-hmm. natural. Um, it still doesn't matter. It still yeah. does the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's an interesting documentary. I think it's called The Sweet Truth. And it tells the story of how NutraSweet actually came to the market and got approved by the FDA um, and also gives a lot of information about artificial sweeteners in general, um, the testing that's been done on them and, you know, the fact that they pretty much in all the trials gave all the rats cancer. <laughs> um, it's really interesting. I So, yeah, I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> I, but, I, I mean, actually, I, I don't use artificial sweeteners. Right, right? So, that, yeah, but that's what, yeah. For so it's better it's, if you're going to have soda, have regular soda. Yeah, for me, it's going to be diabetes. I think that's yeah, don't. <laughs> eventually. Don't. And diabetes isn't caused by sugar. It's caused by fat in your diet. So oh, wait, no. <laughs> go what? off on another tangent on that. <laughs> well, so that that's news to me, right? Yeah, like I, uh, yeah. Sugar isn't what causes diabetes. Oh. Um, it's the fact that you have too much um, fat in your bloodstream. So but sugar, if you think... Get, well, go, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Um, you know, your body needs glucose, like your brain, that's what your brain and muscles use for fuel is glucose. It's the most ready, readily available fuel in your body. You need it. Um, so the glucose enters your bloodstream and in order for it to get into your cells, that's what insulin is for. So the insulin gets released and there are insulin receptors on your cell. So think of your cell wall as a door. Yeah. I, I was a biology major. Yeah. I, so the I, insulin I, receptor <laughs> is the keyhole and the insulin is the key. Well, if you have too much fat in your system, the keyhole gets plugged up. So insulin, the insulin can't connect with the insulin receptor, which means that the more wall of your cell can't open. So the glucose can't get out of your bloodstream uh-huh. and it builds up and builds up and builds up. And that's why your glucose levels rise and why you're diabetic. Huh? Huh. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like obviously they're both factors, right? Because I guess if, the, mm-hmm. if there was a – and also fructose and glucose are, mm-hmm. are I think, metabolized differently, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess the point is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drink a Coke every yeah. day until I'm <laughs> dead. <laughs> and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So you Just don't, don't – don't have like oily French fries with it. <laughs> Well, I do. Oh, and it's the French fries aren't the problem; it's the oil, yeah. not the potatoes. Yeah, I do that too, though. I, I, and, and, and you know what the best fries are? Beef fat fries, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, oh, how I became vegan. Wait, totally, sorry, I totally got off on a right, tangent. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, I'm a really curious person, and you know, I wanted to fix this, and up to that point. You know, I'd been doing everything that they'd been telling me to do, you know, and it wasn't fixing it. So she finally gave me, you know, something else to look into, something else to try. And I was like, well, you know, if I need to change my diet to reduce the inflammation in my body, then I'm going to do that. Like, I can't walk, you know, like I have to do something. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to live this way. 
Um, so I started researching red meat and inflammation mm-hmm. on the internet. Right. And then, you know, one thing led to another, led to another, led to another down the rabbit hole of the internet. Um, and eventually, you know, I found all those videos, um, you know, about the factory farming and all that. And, you know, I found all the vegan websites and I found like Dr. Neil Bernard and um, Colin T. Campbell, um, Dr. Esselstein, you know, kind of all those people. Um, and yeah, I educated myself and I became an informed consumer. Um, and I realized what I was putting into my body and I realized what the problem was. And so I basically said, okay, I'm going to go vegan. I'm going to go vegan. Yeah. (laughs) How, how hard was that? Which ended up being much harder than I had anticipated. Um, because you know, food is more than food. Yeah. Um, food is family tradition. It has emotional connotations. Um, we use it for things other than fuel, right? Like Absolutely. comfort. Yeah. You know, there's so much more to food than just something that keep gives us energy and keeps us moving. Mm-hmm. And until you deal with all those things, it's going to be very difficult to change your diet in that kind of drastic way. So I spent the next couple of years dealing with those things and, you know, doing the best that I could, um, not being hundred percent perfect, sometimes going off of it for a couple of months at a time and then going back to it because the more you get off each time you go back, it hits you harder and harder. Um, you know, it hits your system harder, you know, your digestion's all screwed up. And I had a lot of other problems that I didn't even realize were issues until I stopped eating animal products. Like the fact that I had constant ongoing sinus infections and bronchitis that completely went away when I stopped eating dairy products. Mm -hmm. Um, and it came back when I started eating them again, right? Um, the inflammation, you can feel it in your body when it goes away and then you go back to it, you can feel it. Like, it just feels like everything is swelling. Um, I had horrible IBS and that completely went away. Yeah. Just like gone. Um, well, dairy is it? <laughs> yeah, it was dairy. <laughs> it was dairy. It was the meat, but it was mainly dairy. Yeah. Um, and you know, 75% of people are lactose intolerant and just don't realize it. We blame it on other things. Yeah. I am not lactose intolerant. I I would, I swore that I was, but I 23 Mm -hmm. to me myself. And Mm -hmm. it turns out I am not lactose intolerant. (laughs) Well, my body behaves as if it's lactose Mm -hmm. intolerant. But one of the things I think we talked about this before we started recording was, um, the knee jerk sort of defensive reaction to, being vegan or mm. like being told to go vegan or sort yeah. of being um, uh, almost like uh, uh, like the stentorian sort of position of, of, well, I'm a vegan and you are not a vegan. What I'm doing is better for my body and for the world mm-hmm. and what you're doing is worse and sort of like that knee-jerk defensive reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like I wonder if it takes the curse off a bit uh if if you're like you know do do what you can right Mm -hmm. like and and Mm -hmm. like we talked about before Mm -hmm. like like maybe you can't be 100 percent vegan Mm -hmm. all the time right you're still 
reducing uh, suffering in the world. And uh, for me, uh, when I was vegetarian and or vegan, um, and when I consider what I eat, I almost never consider the health uh, side of it. I, oh, but I always consider the uh, infliction of pain or suffering on other side, uh, that side of it. Um, so for me, it was always like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing the best. I'm not, I'm not perfect. And even if I were vegan, there would still be uh, consequences of my existence that cause, um, that, that cause, well, consumption is brutality. I go mm -hmm. back to that. Right. Yeah. So, um, it's not just food, right. It's every aspect of mm -hmm. every person's life. Um, so trying to like, just like minimizing your carbon footprint, mm -hmm. like right. minimize your suffering, yeah. your infliction of suffering mm -hmm. footprint. Um, and if you, fa I, re I realize what you're saying, you know, like you're saying, like if you, if you fail, um, and it makes it harder uh, because it affects your body like in this really adverse way and you get this sort of uh, negative reaction going back to it again. Um, kind of like, I guess like, you know, you get a spider bite, you get a reaction to it and mm -hmm. it could be mild, but the next time you get bit, it could be horrendous, mm -hmm. right? Um, so uh, I guess for me, it's always been like sort of a, I vacillate and um, there are times when I, I always feel guilty about it, like no matter what, I mean, even if I'm being even during the years where I've been as perfect as I could be, mm -hmm. uh, which I don't know how perfect that was because for me it never, um, well, I guess, so there was a period where I lived on a commune for a few years and I've talked about this a bunch before, so I don't want to go too much into it, but, uh, you know, we grew our own food or, and, or we dumpster dived and, or we went to, uh, places that were throwing things out. And, uh, again, the idea was not like, we never want to put animal byproducts in our bodies. Mm -hmm. It was, we never want to add to the demand for animal products. So, you know, when Dunkin' Donuts would throw out their donuts at the end of the day, even if they weren't vegan, we were fine eating them, right? right? Yeah, because um, otherwise it's just wasted. Right, yeah, otherwise they went, they yeah. literally did go into the dumpster. And in right. fact, in, in a lot of cases, they weren't allowed, literally, like we would be in the alley between the, the back doors of these places mm -hmm. and the dumpsters. And they were not allowed to hand us the food. Like they had to go put it in right. the dumpster and then mm -hmm. we would go like take it out. So when I say dumpster yeah. diving. Yeah, it's like, for liability reasons. Yeah, we, we weren't yeah. like actually jumping and like searching <laughs> through a dumpster. It was literally like, oh, they placed it mm -hmm. there and then we you took it. You were freaking. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it, really, that's pretty it, cool. It, it was, well, yeah, partially, right? Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, um, without the totally vegan part. Yeah, right, but, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know what my, I, I guess my point was just like I feel like uh, everybody could take small steps, right, to, to reduce the demand for certain kinds of meats, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, that means just mm -hmm. cutting out, like, one particular thing or whatever. Right. And, um, well, and I mean, if the whole world went 100% vegan all at once, it would be a catastrophe. Because, you know, all these animals are already in captivity. You know, what are you going to do with them? You can't just set them free. They, they won't live out in the wild right, and there can't. aren't enough predators to deal with them, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, it is something that's going to have to change gradually. And I think that, you know, I've talked about this with some vegan friends before, you know, I think that the vegan community or kind of the public vegan community can be part of the problem at times um, because, you know, it can get a bit self-righteous and it can get a bit, um, you know, us versus them and at times it does present kind of this, um, 
I want to say the word monotone. That's probably not the word that I'm looking for. Um, you know, sort of this, just there's only one type of vegan. You know, right. you've yeah. got to be you're super, in or you're out. super liberal, and yeah. you're a hippie, and you're you know like this, yeah. that, and the other, right? Um, and it's the archetype of the exactly. Of the, yeah, that's yeah. yes, the archetype. Yeah, um, which is completely not true. Yeah. Um, you know, you can be a suburban housewife in Iowa. You know, going to church and you know, taking care of your kids and do meatless Mondays, you know, um, there are little things that you can do, you know, start, take one thing out and replace it with something else. And I think that's the other thing too. Um, taking out sometimes isn't always the, the way to do it. Try putting more things in, try having more vegetables, more fruit, Mm -hmm. And then slowly, and just sort of naturally, yeah. Let the like other bulk stuff, wise, yeah. Well, just let the other stuff kind of, you know, also fade to, away. For people who like maybe tried to be vegan twenty years ago, um, and couldn't do it uh, as somebody who that was me, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I recommend you know trying again because mm-hmm. things have gotten better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the milks have gotten better. The cheeses have gotten better. Yeah. The uh, let, let me. T- uh, like it used to just be like textured vegetable protein mm-hmm. and right. like there, there weren't, the tan. <laughs> yeah, there weren't a lot of options and, and things have definitely gotten better, at least mm-hmm. in urban mm-hmm. uh, places, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, whatever yeah. it, it's, it's, and anybody can eat a Boca burger. They're mm-hmm. great. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and also, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive either. Um, you know, some of the cheapest foods on the planet are vegan, Rice, potatoes, beans, you know, corn, vegetables. Yeah, lentils. Yeah, lentils. I mean, those are some of the cheapest things at the market, and they're completely vegan, and they're really good. They're really filling, and you're probably eating them already, so just take the meat out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So, yeah, there are a lot of ways that you can do it that don't have to be so shocking to your system. Um, Yeah. And so I originally did it for health reasons. Um, and it did make a difference. I rarely, if ever have any problems with my knee now and my ACL is still torn. I never got it repaired. Um, that's a whole nother story. (laughs) Um, the, um, sports doctor that I was sent to told me right to my face that I wasn't an athlete and he didn't expect that I'd ever really be athletic. So there was no reason for him to fix my leg. And that was it. That was it. Yeah. And at the time, um, I wasn't bold enough at the time to stand up for myself or, you know, to argue with a doctor. Right. Um, and so I just thought, oh, okay, I guess I just don't deserve to have a leg that works. Is it something now where, an athlete. where too much time has gone by for it to be done now, essentially? Yeah, yeah it's just it's just been too long. Because uh, it's been what, 11, 12, 12 years now. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I don't have any problems with it now. Um, but if you ran, if I was a runner, yes, that would be a problem. Right. But, um, I've never been a runner. I tried running in high school and it's just not my sport. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's just never really been my thing. It's not anything that I ever want to do. No, no sport so. is my sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I originally did it for health reasons, but, um, over the years, I've developed a lot of other reasons, and that's really what keeps me vegan now are the ethical, um, you know, and kind of animal welfare and, um, you know, environmentalism. There are a lot of things that keep me vegan now. Um, you know, I love that it makes me feel great, and I love that it allows my body to function, you know, at its optimum level, um, but that's not what keeps me vegan now. 
So speaking of uh, things that we put into our bodies, mm. um, no, not that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <dang>. <laughs> um, uh, I thought we could maybe talk on the subject of drugs, yeah. pharmaceuticals, yeah, big pharma versus <laughs> little pharma versus uh, homegrown edible pharma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know what your what your thoughts are. You're, well, you're I mean you're currently um, about five miles away from Washington D.C., uh, where marijuana is legal to uh, possess and smoke and sell if you have a license um but they don't give anybody licenses so the way they get around it is they have these sort of um fairs that you go to and you Mm -hmm. buy a t-shirt and oh and it comes with these these edibles right like that's that's sort of like what uh that's the their way of getting that's the loophole Mm -hmm. right because basically this law was passed but then they were like okay well at the at the state slash non-state level that Washington, D.C. is. They were like, well, we're just never going to give anyone a license to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but it's technically not illegal to have, and it's not illegal to smoke. Uh, talking about pot, of course. Mm-hmm. And I guess is pot, pot is a... That's not really a word people pot use weed. anymore. I right? <laughs> that's what I always call <laughs> it. I'm dating myself, <laughs> I think. Um, but I'm curious what you're thoughts are on it and uh, and other drugs too right like yeah so um i have a really strong opinion about marijuana Mm -hmm. um i think it should absolutely 100 be legal for um not only for medicinal purposes but also for recreational purposes i think that we should tax the crap out of it um well not literally tax crap out of it but you know it should be a taxable good just like cigarettes or alcohol Mm -hmm. um you know it is for adults um except in medicinal medicinal cases, because I know there have been a lot of cases with kids with seizures um, where the type of cannabis that's very low in THC can really help their seizures yeah. um, or almost completely eliminate them. And I think it's the oil. CBD oil. Yeah, yeah. the CBD oil yeah. that does it. Um, so obviously it should be available to everyone in medicinal form. But for recreational use, it should be for adults. Um, you know, we can decide whatever arbitrary age limit we would like to set for that you know it could be analogous to alcohol at 21 we could do it at 18 whatever um that's kind of how i feel about it because it's not addictive nobody's gonna overdose on it 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 doesn't make people i think it's a much better alternative to alcohol that's my you know alcohol makes people mean and there's a huge hypocrisy with uh, uh if people are okay with alcohol, but not okay mm-hmm. with marijuana. Um, there is literally not one aspect of marijuana that is worse than mm-hmm. alcohol. Uh, it's worse for your body. It's worse mm-hmm. for your demeanor. Mm-hmm. It's like everything about it is is more damaging mm-hmm. and more damaging to you and more damaging to the people around you. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. That's one of the things that it, it and. It, Obviously, it's the same thing with like cigarettes, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's just such, there are so many lobbyists and so many large, there's so much money being made mm-hmm. uh, that in order for that ship to turn around, there's there's a lot of stuff that has to happen below deck before. Right. Um, well, and it's it's a competitive product yeah. to alcohol yes. and yeah. cigarettes. Right. <laughs> yep. You know, so of course they're, you know, they're not going to want it to be around. Um, 
you know, and yeah, and I mean, I, it would be a lot safer if people could get it legally. Because, you know, right now, sometimes you don't know what you're getting. and You don't know if it's mixed or cut oh, yeah. with something. And there was that, that yeah, it was in Philly, or I'm not sure if it was Philly or New York, and maybe six months ago where people were dying from smoking this tainted yeah. uh, tainted marijuana, but it was tainted with, I don't know what it was tainted mm -hmm. with, but the yeah, point was, remember. you know, yes, exactly. If mm -hmm. you're not buying from someone who is licensed or uh, a pharmacy, then you don't, you don't know what mm -hmm. you're getting or what right. it's been sprayed with, right? Yeah. Like when I was younger, like the thing was, oh, they spray it with they spray it with a uh, raid. Like mm -hmm. that was, I don't know why if that was a rumor or if <laughs> oh that was gosh. like a thing or, uh, <laughs> but apparently the thing was, yeah, they sprayed marijuana with raid. Oh wow! Um, so I remember that being like one of the scare tactics mm -hmm. back then, kind of like razors and apples, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, that, that's good to hear. I mean, I. I, I I guess I kind of figured that might be your your mm -hmm. your take on it, um, but that's 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 good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Now, as far as other drugs go, um, so you know, I will kind of disclaim that I smoked a lot of pot in my life, <laughs> um, not in probably like the last ten years, but prior to that, you know, high school and twenties, and you know, I did, um, and yeah, I never. Never did me any harm, that's yeah. for sure. And, you know, I only remember having good times when I was doing it. And, you know, it was with friends. And, you know, we were usually at home. And, you know, we were laughing our asses off and, you know, snacking. And, <laughs> you know, that was the end of it. Um, I was always, you know, I've... <sighs> talking about scare tactics. So, you know, I think we both grew up in the era of, you know, just say no and you know, Nancy Reagan yes, and, you yeah. know, all of those like scare films that they would show us at school. Yeah. This is your brain. This is your brain. On yeah, drugs. exactly. <laughs> I learned it by watching you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, you know, I was always afraid to try harder drugs because I was afraid that, you know, it would give me psychosis or it would, you know, kill my brain. And that, that was always my initial experience. Yeah, and, and also I was like, I, I want to be in control. Yeah, right. Like I had this thing with right. control. But yet somehow, funnily enough, I never had any problem like getting wasted every right. weekend yeah. on alcohol. Yeah. You know, and it was almost like a badge of honor, you know, how much you could drink, yeah. you know. Um, how much I, ne I never drink. drank. I never, I never, in fact, I never did any drugs at all. Uh, until getting out of high school really like up until that point i was sort of a straight edge one mm -hmm. a, a straight edge kid um and it was for those reasons mm -hmm. it was like no i don't want to put i don't want to put those pollutants in my body because they're gonna you know affect my brain in mm -hmm. some way that i don't know <laughs> you know like I, I almost like there was a part of this paranoid part of me i was also a sci-fi nerd right mm -hmm. that was there's a paranoid part of me that thought that it, it would uh forever changed my brain chemistry and I wouldn't even know it. Right. So, um, I had all these kinds of, and they were fueled by, mm -hmm. you know, these fears were right. fueled by that right. kind of, yeah. um, uh, misinformation or disinformation. Yeah. Or, uh, it was totally disinformation yeah. because, you know, they were actively going out of their way to, yeah. Yeah. to not tell us the truth. Right. Um, you know, because yeah, I mean, some of these drugs are very harmful. I mean, like heroin is, you know, not good. Well, um <laughs> <laughs> we, we can talk about that too <laughs> okay well no let's talk about that because i don't have any personal experience with it but from what i understand you know it's highly addictive and sometimes you can get addicted the first time you use it okay maybe maybe that's my propaganda speaking <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't even know it yeah i, um, I, I mean opioids are like another mm -hmm. another area like a whole nother 
ball. I guess it's a whole nother mm-hmm. ball of wax, right? Yeah. Um, and but there, and it's almost always like it, it, it's funny for a lot of these things. Like you see a lot of people talking about um, the opioid epidemic, mm-hmm. right? And you have these pain doctors that are just sort of uh, dispensing pain medications to anybody who walks in there and says that they have back pain. Um, and then you have uh, people who have terminal cancer who are being denied uh, medications right. that they need um, because of this uh, campaign mm-hmm. about opioids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is true, right? Like Oxycontin is, is pretty, uh, it's pretty addictive. Yeah, it and is. It's it is. pretty... There's a reason it's it's addictive, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's uh, I don't know. So you you've had some it's surgeries. It's really good. Yeah, it's like really I, good. The last time I had it um, was when I had my gallbladder taken out a couple years ago, and I enjoyed the heck out of those things. Yeah, and I kept taking them until they were gone right. um, because I liked them. They yeah, were good. There there there's uh, there are off brand uses for them, mm-hmm. right? Um, when I was after my so I had a straight edge period <laughs> and then I had a very wavy line <laughs> period uh, where I would basically try anything that was not a stimulant. Like I never mm-hmm. liked anything that like I was already, I, I was already all, I already felt like I need to slow down all the mm-hmm. time. I, I always felt anxious. I always felt on edge. So it was anything that would take that edge off was something that I was totally open to trying. Um, so I tried yeah, I mean, I tried pretty much everything that wasn't uh, a stimulant, anything mm-hmm. that wasn't. And even that, like, I, I'm sure, you know, you, you take ecstasy, half the time there's a stimulant in there, whether you know mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the, you have this pill and it's like got a little dove imprinted on it. And this, this looks <laughs> harmless. I and just say, that's one thing I've always wanted to try. And I've, I've just never had access to it and never really been like, you know, never really had a safe space to do it in. Yeah. Because you have to have a safe, safe yes. space for that. I was never yeah. a going to a club ecstasy person. Mm-hmm. I and I didn't take ecstasy that much. Uh, maybe maybe a dozen times, mm-hmm. maybe two dozen times in my entire life, right? Uh, but it was always at a house with mm-hmm. friends, right? Yeah. It was never in an open... open and, and it's true a lot of times, like you didn't know, you, you would take it and mm-hmm. it would be like, okay... We're gonna see how much of this was meth and how much yeah, of this was MDMA yeah, and how, you yeah. know, like what was this adulterated <laughs> with, right? Um, uh, and sometimes it was great and sometimes it was horrible. And mm-hmm. I remember my first experience uh, was one of those experiences that was, and I was still very young. I was still maybe twenty years old, um, and it was one of those experiences that was like I took it on like a long Thanksgiving weekend, right? I took it like the night before Thanksgiving night mm-hmm. um, and had just this fantastic experience was up all night with a bunch of friends. Right. And um, had at Thanksgiving the next day, just had that, that sort of, these people don't love me, you know, oh, my, no. my family, the down. Love me. <laughs> those people last right. night, those people loved me. You know, that was what, uh, that's um, real love. Yeah. <laughs> Which of course, I mean, you know, it, it, it's all, I mean, and, and it's easy to say, well, you were in an altered frame of mind, mm-hmm. uh, and you were perceiving things differently, but maybe you were perceiving things the right way. I mean, right. my, the first time I took right. and I'm perfectly fine saying this, the first time I ever tried heroin, uh, my, the overwhelming feeling that I got mm-hmm. was not that 
um, this is an altered state of mind that I am in. It was, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that I was in pain, right? Like oh, that was, really? yeah, it was more like a, oh, I feel relief. Like it was oh, a feeling wow. of a relief. It was not a feeling of, um, I mean, obviously I did, I did feel, you know, high in, mm -hmm. in some way, but yeah. it was mostly a feeling of, I did not realize I had that anchor on my back, like all this oh, time, right? And someone just took it off, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and so, yeah, that is obviously a very dangerous drug and, and I should probably, um, uh, I should probably caveat all this by saying uh, that- Don't do drugs, kids. Yeah, don't do drugs. <laughs> I was very young. I never, I never mm. shot heroin. I always, yeah. when I did it, I would either smoke it or snort it. Mm. And again, like ecstasy, that was like maybe- maybe a dozen times in my life. Um, but I never really felt, and other people felt differently, but I, my feeling from it was like a, was really very much like a, why, why can't we feel like this all the time? Like, why do we have to feel, uh, and I think that probably came from like this depression that I had, this mm -hmm. undiagnosed depression that I had that I didn't yeah. know. And it was sort of an off-label treatment, mm -hmm. um, for that depression. Right. Um, Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, yeah, yeah that, that, <laughs> no, that's pretty much No, I had a really interesting it. thought right there. Go, when go, you go. Said, when you said, um, you know, kind of self-treatment. So, you know, we have a serious healthcare crisis in our country. Um, I think a lot of places, you know, a lot of people can't afford healthcare or the healthcare they have is not adequate. You know, the deductible's too high, they can't get the care that they need. So a lot of people do end up self-medicating, yeah. especially people with mental illness, mm -hmm. um, because either there's a stigma and they don't want to seek treatment, they're not ready to, you know, admit that they need treatment, or the treatment's just not available to them. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we were talking last night at dinner, I think I was talking to you about this, um, about how expensive these drugs can be from the pharmaceutical companies. Um, you know, um, as most of you know, you know, one of my siblings uh, has mental illness and is medicated for it, um, has a mental illness and is medicated for it. And just one of his drugs costs $800 a month. Yeah, that's insane. And so if he wasn't on Medicaid, he wouldn't be able to afford his medicine because his disability is only $700 a month that he gets from the feds. So it doesn't even pay for one of his medications, yeah. let alone support him yeah. at all. Right. Yeah. So when you're in that situation, what else are you going to do? You know, you, you have street drugs available to you, right? which like you said, can be adulterated and aren't always completely reliable. Right. But and that's it where fentanyl comes in and right. basically kills. I mean, mm -hmm. it, we've lost so much music to fentanyl mm -hmm. right? yeah. uh, in the yeah. last few years that it's, uh, uh, it's disgusting. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. sad. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, that that is sort of when you don't have options or you no longer have um, uh, legal options, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to look for whatever right. you can, right? So, right. Um, so, you know, let's make more of this stuff legal and safe. There's some really amazing programs in other countries, specifically Scandinavian countries, where there are places that people can go to shoot up. And they have nurses that are there on staff. Yeah. They give them clean needles. They give yeah. them a safe space to do it in. They monitor them to make sure that they're okay, you know, and, you know, make sure they don't, you know, choke on their own vomit if they throw pass out and throw up, right. you know, right. or to make sure they don't overdose. Um, 
you know, the, what they receive is clean and unadulterated and safe. And, you know, yes, there is still an addiction problem there that has to be dealt with, but they don't, you know, they're self-medicating. Yeah. And so they help them to do that in a safe way. And addiction is an interesting concept too, because we're perfectly fine saying, you know, take Zoloft every day for mm-hmm. the rest of your life or right. take the statin every day for the rest of your life or, or whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're, but then when it comes to oxycodone or whatever, they're mm-hmm. like, no, this is not something that you can take right. every day for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. Um, because the fear there is that it just kind of balloons into something mm-hmm. that, that then spirals out of control. Well, um, and I think there's also, you know, I mean, let's be honest and talk about it. There's a monetary component there. You know, the drug companies, they want you to be on medications for life. Right. That's how they make yeah. their money. Yeah, they don't want to cure you. Right. They want to treat you. They don't you. want to cure you. Yeah. They want to treat you forever. Um, and so when you go outside of that system and you're getting your medications somewhere else, you're cutting into their bottom line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course they're not going to want to make that legal. They're not going to want to you know, allow that to continue. So they're going to criminalize it, force you back into their system so they can now make money off of it's you just, in the jails. It's interesting. Like, yeah, all the forces at work mm-hmm. beneath the surface, mm-hmm. right, that are yeah. – um, and that we – and even and no matter how conscientious you are and how much research you do, right, like how much of the truth are we really seeing and how much mm-hmm. of – the backroom dealings are we really seeing or do we really know about? Probably not yeah, much. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> We're presented with this story and we can be like, yeah, I doubt it. You know, I, mm-hmm. you know, I, it sure. seems like there's something else going on there. Um, but we don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And certainly makes it difficult to stop when you don't even know what's mm-hmm. going on. Right. right? Uh, which is one of the reasons, you know, well, I mean, say what you will about WikiLeaks or whatever, but, you know, as far as the proliferation of information goes, um, as much information, in my opinion, right, obviously as much information as we can get out as often as possible, as transparent as we can be, whether people want us to be transparent or not, um, you know, the better, ultimately the better things are going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, I don't think too much information... um, the uh, the uh, compartmentalizing and obfuscation of information that's how authoritarian author- mm-hmm. authoritarian regimes <laughs> come about right it's not right. Uh, and that's why the first thing that happens when uh, somebody who is authoritarian comes into power is they want to clamp down on on that information mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so yeah the more information we can get out the better the more people, the more whistleblowers we have, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of issues with Julian Assange, and there are even issues with Edward Snowden. And um, but some of the things that they have done, I think, have as whistleblowers mm-hmm. have not been, in my opinion, they're not treasonous. They are mm-hmm. they are beneficial to the human race. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, if anything, they're patriotic. It, it, yeah, it, maybe if not patriotic, they are human patriotic, right? Like yeah. maybe like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're patriotic in that they help humanity as a whole. Maybe they hurt mm. the U.S. In, in a way that somebody didn't want, you know. Yeah. 
uh, now we're we're <laughs> getting into politics. We were gonna save that for the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's okay. So drugs. We have that. That checked. I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say about um, No, no. I just think, well, I think the one thing that I do want to say is, um, you know, both of us have experience with drugs in, you know, in different ways. Um, and I'm sure a lot of you listening possibly have experience with drugs as well. Um, by talking about these things and sharing our stories and sharing our thoughts, we're not necessarily promoting this for anyone or saying you should definitely do this. Um, everybody has to make that decision for themselves, but just be safe, be careful, be informed and, you know, make your decision. Um, yeah, that's yeah, all I, I can, that's all I have to say. I agree. Especially <laughs> there's really no excuse now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like in the eighties, maybe, you know, pre ARPANET, right. Mm-hmm. There might've been an excuse for not knowing, uh, the risks of anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no excuse now. Like yeah. we, we all have a world book encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. In our phone, right? So, <laughs> so check that computer you have in yeah, your pocket. <laughs> pick it up. The thing that your teacher said you would not have, so right. you had to show your work because <laughs> you weren't going to go through life with a computer in your pocket. Damn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so the next thing I have on my list mm-hmm. is sexuality. Yeah. yeah. So we had a really great conversation last night about this topic. Um, and kind of my thoughts about ASMR and, you know, what the purpose of it is and the, the different needs that it can serve. Um, because all of us are different. We all have different needs. And, you know, ASMR is all about intimacy. Um, and as human beings, we have a lot of different types of intimacy in our life. You know, we have our platonic relationships with our family and our friends. Well, sometimes platonic with our friends. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we have, you know, our romantic relationships and romantic intimacy in our life with our partners. Um, sometimes our friends, (laughs) 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 that's a gray area sometimes. Um, and I think as humans, we need, we need that full spectrum, you know, to, to feel whole. We, we have those needs in us and if they're not met, we have to try to find them somewhere else. And I think one of the things that I really like to impress upon people, um, because a lot of the pushback that I hear about central ASMR or, you know, erotic ASMR is that, well, you know, these people just need to go out and they just need to find a real person. And, you know, I think that's very presumptuous. Yeah. Short-sighted and presumptuous. And short-sighted. Um, because not everybody has that option, even if they want it. Not everyone has that option. Right. Um, you know, there are a lot of people for, you know, various reasons that aren't able to have a partner or have decided that that's just not something, you know, that's possible for them. Um, you know, and sometimes due to circumstances completely out of their control and, and really out of their you know, it's not what they would want for their lives. It's not the ideal that they would want for their lives, but they find themselves in that situation and they still have that need in them. And it, you know, they, they have to have it met somehow. Um, and I think that central ASMR and erotic ASMR can really meet that need in a way that pornography cannot, um, because pornography, pornography is really about, the physical experience. It's about bodies and physicality. It's not about intimacy and emotions. And we don't always want 
the physical act of sex from our romantic partner or in our romantic intimate relationships. You know, sometimes we just need to hear something nice. Sometimes we just need to cuddle. Sometimes we just need somebody in bed with us. And that's not about sex. That's about something different. It's about intimacy. And I think that sensual and erotic ASMR can provide that to people. Um, you know, whether you're in a relationship and maybe just can't get that from your current partner and you still need it, or whether you're not in a relationship for whatever reason, you know, voluntary or involuntary, permanent or <laughs> temporary, um, you know, it definitely serves a need that is out there. And just because you have romantic intimacy in your life doesn't mean that that replaces platonic intimacy or that it's better than or less than platonic intimacy. I have a relationship with my family and, you know, at times I've had a relationship with a partner. Those coexist in my life equally and they're equally important to me and I can't imagine giving either one of them up. So there's no reason why we can't have the full spectrum within ASMR because that really would reflect our real human experiences and life. Um, and I just think that it's really important. Um, it's really important. And I think it's so presumptuous and you know, just, just really unrealistic for, you know, people with this need to be dismissed in this really callous offhand kind of way, you know, that, that almost indicates that there's something wrong with them, mm -hmm. um, you know, or they're, they're deviant in some way for wanting what we all want. Um, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with it and there's nothing dirty or bad or, you know, whatever other adjective that someone wants to come up with. Mm -hmm. Um, pejorative adjective. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. I, well, I don't know if you were My done. monologue is over now. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Well, I thought that was very well said. Um, so let me, uh, God, I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk in like absolutes like this, but so the accusation levied by some is that sexual ASMR, um, tars ASMR because ASMR mm -hmm. is still a niche, uh, genre that mm -hmm. people don't understand that the existence of sexual ASMR um, tars non-sexual ASMRists and uh, uh, sort of um, slows down the acceptance of ASMR broadly, uh, and, and getting it to a point where it gains widespread acceptance. And let me also just say, I think that's bull, right? Okay, <laughs> but I'm saying what I have heard right. uh, some other people say, mm -hmm. and I'm... I'm curious what, uh, if someone said that to you or was, you know, having a, a spirited debate with you on that, like, yeah. what would your response be? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of different issues here and I think they get conflated. Um, so one of the issues, the bigger, broader issue is the assumption that is being made that sexual content is bad. Um, and really that stems from this underlying puritanical culture that we've all been yeah. raised in and, you know, kind of have assimilated to. 
Um, there's also an element of misogynism, misogyny there, um, that, you know, women are sex objects. Um, and that if you choose to put yourself out there in that way, that that makes you less of an, a socially acceptable woman, or, you know, it, it makes you, you know, some things that I'm not going to say, yeah. um, you know, and, and I think sometimes other women can be especially virulent in, in that attack. Um, because I think sometimes they want to prove that they are not that. So they, you know, they are socially acceptable. They, they are good girls. They are okay to, you know, move in a way in society that women who are sexual cannot. Mm. Um, and that, you know, hopefully men will see them as mates or as viable partners rather than just playthings. You know, and again, that stems from our, the culture that we've been raised in. The how, patriarchy. Uh, yeah, the, patri the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that word's got to be said. <laughs> so, you know, I think that a lot of people are operating from a faulty foundation to begin with. So I think we all need to stop, turn around, examine that, and see, you know, if we want to continue with that or if we want to change that. Yeah. Are so we complicit? The, uh, or, yes. or, or Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first issue that is here, right? Is this assumption that sex is bad. People who participate in sex in a public way are bad. And therefore, you know, we've got to distance ourselves from them because we don't want to be bad. Mm. Um, so that's the first issue that's happening here. I think the second issue is, you know, kind of goes back to what I was just talking about. The fact that, you know, we are all sexual beings in our real lives in one way or another. We all have that need. We all have that drive. You know, it's the biological imperative, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but for some reason, we don't want to talk about it. We don't, you know, it's supposed to be hidden. Yeah, it's like we pretend it doesn't exist. Secret, or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so you know, people who kind of express that need or people who try to meet that need in a public forum, you know, really get ostracized um, because it's not sp supposed to be something that you talk about. It's right. not supposed in to be something. In mixed company. That is yeah, yeah. Behind closed you know, doors. Sex, religion, and politics, yeah. right? <laughs> Those are the three things you're not supposed to talk about. A very English sort of. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I think that there are a few different things that are contributing to this you know, this kind of belief that sexuality or sensuality is tainting ASMR as a whole and it's making it less legitimate and, you know, and, and, you know, I don't really think that's true. I mean, if anything, I think that it makes us a really unique art form because we're able to really holistically help an individual. So, you know, you have someone who's lonely, you have someone who's you know, unpartnered or partnered, but can't have that need met, um, you know, where are they going to go? Where are they going to go? Yeah. You know, it's like, what are they going to do? Um, 
So, you know, there are times, and even myself, there are times that I want to have platonic ASMR. I need a caring friend. I need someone to comfort me. You know, I'm not feeling sexual and I don't want that element to what I'm listening to. But there are other times that, you know, I do want romantic intimacy. I do need, you know, a partner and I'm bisexual. So I listen to men and women equally. And it's not Um, all or nothing, right? It's not not like there's a line where all of a sudden this is like, even uh, like, cause I've listened to Mm -hmm. your, to your, uh, uh, audios Mm -hmm. slash videos, audios, Mm -hmm. uh, um, before. And, and some of them, like they can be, um, they are intimate and sexual in nature, um, to like, varying vastly varying degrees mm-hmm. right? right um and some of them i will listen to to go to sleep to mm-hmm. right and even the ones that might be considered oh this is sexual mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um and to me like uh, first of all i guess beauty and sexuality is in the eye of the beholder or mm-hmm. whatever so or yeah. the year of the beholder well, yeah um, that's it. this is also subjective yeah you know? exactly but right art is subjective that's the point yeah and and <laughs> i mean honestly what, what did pornography uh, destroy films right mm-hmm. like what what i i guess i'm of the opinion uh not that my opinion I, I, being a male right i feel mm-hmm. like my opinion shouldn't mm-hmm matter that much when it comes to this right but uh but my opinion is i'm gonna say my opinion anyway (laughs) (laughs) um is that even if that were true even if that premise were true even if um sexual asmr or the existence of sexual asmr uh clouded the minds of puritan the puritanical to the point where it um slowed the acceptance of asmr as a mainstream media or a mainstream uh, I, I don't even really know how do we, I don't even know how to define what ASMR is yet mm-hmm. like what it, it, it's an art form right, right. it is, is a new yeah. mode of it it's, it's a mode mm-hmm. of expression right um, using different media uh, audiovisual uh, some tactile mm-hmm. right uh, in ways that aren't yet totally defined and are sometimes mixed um, but are all under this umbrella of trying to connect with somebody's brain Mm -hmm. as directly as possible Mm -hmm. via these different stimuli right Mm -hmm. um so first of all to ignore sex in that Mm -hmm. context is would be like just we're just leaving this huge chunk out (laughs) and we're just gonna we're just gonna pretend it doesn't exist right like um but then also if if it does slow the process of acceptance well it so be it like Mm -hmm. it the solution there is not, I, I don't think, to not do it. The solution is we plow forward and we keep doing it and we do more of it. And right. we explore more as much as we possibly can because the parameters are not defined yet. Like this is, I truly believe like 10 years from now, there will be, we will laugh about how ASMR was stigmatized and even from when I first learned about ASMR, first heard about ASMR, uh, five or six years, maybe it was more than that, maybe it was seven years ago, I don't know, whenever uh, Whisper's Unicorn and Maria started. Right? Um, that w- They were being ridiculed. I found out about them mm-hmm. because they were being ridiculed right? Oh um, in, a, in a group email uh, mm-hmm. at my work. And there mm-hmm. were, someone was passing around, I think it was a gentle whispering video, um, uh, where they were like, look at this, this is ridiculous, this is so funny, this mm-hmm. is it. And I watched it, and I was like, 
this is not funny. This is like, <laughs> like this is I'm like, all of a sudden I went into a trance and yeah, I was like, yeah. and I, and to me, like, I was just like, yeah, you guys don't know what you, you don't know what you're missing, you know? Right. And now at least half, probably many more of those people mm-hmm. are ardent ASMR mm-hmm. fans. And I know this mm-hmm. because they have told me, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I feel like the acceptance is happening. You see like, you know, Cardi B, everybody's mm-hmm. like ASMR is the thing now was yeah. part of YouTube's rewind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, it's a juggernaut. There's no stopping it. Like I feel like people shouldn't be so concerned about that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Because uh, for the two reasons that you mentioned, one, it shouldn't be a problem, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and if we act like it is a problem, then we are complicit in mm-hmm. perpetuating a problem that is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, nothing's going to stop it anyway, right? right. So, right. Um, well, I think you know you can kind of think of it. Actually, your your film analogy was a really good one. So films run the gamut, you know, from G-rated all the way up to you know adult films. It doesn't mean make any one of them along the way any less legitimate, you know, but they're clearly labeled and marked for who they're made for, the audience that they're targeting, and who it's appropriate for. ASMR can be the same way. You know, I mean, there is ASMR for children. Uh, Whispers Red has a child's children's ASMR channel. It's really cool. Um, and that's fantastic. A lot of kids. And need there's that. ASMR being done by children yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't watched any of it, but neither I neither have I. I, I know of Life with mm-hmm. Mac. Like that's the only one I've ever heard of. I, yeah. But I don't watch it, and mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it because I haven't. But it, it kind of makes sense, you know. If you're if you're that age, you might want someone your same age to speak to you. You know, caring friend role play. You know, I'm assuming all of these are, you know, platonic kind of role plays. Um, you know, caring friend or a family, a sister or brother. Yeah. You know, it could be really comforting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a place for, you know, every sort of subgenre or type of ASMR, um, including adult. I think the point that you bring up there is really legitimate, like uh, the labeling point right like i think it's important to be clear yeah um, i agree with you because if there is uh and i don't want to go back on anything that i said earlier but mm-hmm. like if there is any of that sort of uh, uh knee-jerk negative reaction to sexual content i would think that maybe it would be like if it was if you got chocolate in my peanut butter right like mm-hmm, you know, right. I was, i'm watching what i think is <laughs> a very uh uh I don't want to say banal, but, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, sort of straightforward, very bland, vanilla ASMR Mm -hmm. video. And all of a sudden it goes into an area I didn't expect, right? Um, Right. uh, In that case, then maybe I could see somebody like Mm -hmm. having a negative reaction to it and be like, that's not what I thought. That's not what, you know, my kids could be watching Mm -hmm. this, like that kind of thing. But if it is clearly uh, demarcated, right, Mm -hmm. that's that's the solution, right? Right. This is not... We're in new territory, but it's been covered before, Mm -hmm. right? So why reinvent the wheel? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, there really isn't a reason for all this demonetization. And, you know, we we even talked about that last night. We really don't know what's causing the demonetization. You know, it's an algorithm. It's learning. And there are a lot of things that are going to happen along the way. Um, The manual review process, obviously, is, you know, not really set up appropriately. But it's a little difficult with the volume that they handle. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, I, I don't really think that anyone can legitimately say it's because of the romantic or adult-oriented ASMR that that's what's causing the problem. Um, you know, or the word role play or, you know, there's like a lot of things floating around right. out there, you know. There are definitely, and we talked about this last mm-hmm. night too, but yeah. there are definitely like sort of little hot button issues that will mm-hmm. get your uh, video demonetized. I recently had a video, um, a vampire video, and during the course of it, I uh, was making fun of, you know, I was eating or I was sucking the blood of a rat mm-hmm. and then I was looking <laughs> at the viewer bemused and sort of like, you know, what, you think this is gross? I hear your people in your time, you know, mm-hmm. eat these. And I held up a Tide Pod, right? And then <laughs> just kind of threw it away. Yeah. Uh, and that video got demonetized. And I've since, like, and I don't know this for sure because they won't tell you for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've since been told that that is likely the reason mm-hmm. that it got demonetized was just showing and referencing a Tide Pod uh, because ultimately, right, what they're trying to do is limit their liability. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they're team of a team of team of lawyers yeah. are for their risk management what, what they're doing um or what their algorithm looks like or how their algorithm learns or yeah. and that's the other thing is like you know the work things people find new ways to do stupid things mm-hmm. <laughs> at an alarming rate and Which is so why mcdonald's cup says caution yeah, hot yeah, it's hot <laughs> In case you didn't realize that right. this hot coffee was going to be hot. Um, so, yeah, and so that stuff is changing so quickly that even if they have a wonderful sort of machine learning algorithm, how can it possibly keep yeah. up, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I've experienced it, and I know you've experienced mm-hmm. it, and yeah. it's uh, it's discouraging, mm-hmm. and it, it it's demoralizing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had videos that got demonetized, when they were at ten percent uploaded, yeah, yeah, me too. Which I don't, too. I don't, I don't understand if it's the name that they're like. Right, they, it has to be the tags at that point, or yeah. the name, you know, the video name, whatever metadata you've already kind of put in yeah. there for it. I also, and we talked about this last night too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna stop saying we talked about this last night too. <laughs> I may say some things that we talked about last. <laughs> uh, um, what I, I wonder if uh, when a certain number of a channel's videos get demonetized. Mm-hmm if that increases increases the likelihood of future videos getting demonetized yeah. because they're yeah. like, oh, this is a red flag, this this mm-hmm. account, and, you know, just uh, at the first sign of trouble, demonetize, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which would and be I, unfortunate. You know, and, um, you know, the content that I do is really varied. So, you know, I've created playlists to make it a lot easier for people to know what they're getting into, right? So I have a platonic role play playlist. I have a romantic role play um, I have just kind of traditional ASMR triggers and, you know, there where, where does the ice cream one fall? <laughs> <laughs> Cause I like that um, one. <laughs> that would be romantic. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My acting was Oscar worthy in that one. <laughs> it was, it was really good. <laughs> that was actually a really fun video to make because I, I was really pushing the gray area. Um, and I actually didn't age restrict that one. I usually try to be really careful, and I do. But I was curious to see how long it would stay up. It stayed up for almost a year and a half oh, you were being before sneaky. they demonetized it. You're I, <laughs> I was being sneaky. But there was a lot. Like there was ambience in that one too. Yeah. Right? That, that was mm-hmm. that. that yeah. That's really well done. I'm, yeah. I I admire uh, 
so much about like the audio stuff that you do, mm-hmm. like um, the folding stuff, mm-hmm. like the, the the kissing sounds that you're able to get. Mm-hmm. Um, the all all of that stuff I think is uh, really really top notch. And oh, as someone who um, I tend to focus more on the video, which is like. Uh, totally defeats the like ASMR and most people don't even look at the video but you know uh, I tend to focus more on that side of it so when I hear somebody doing great stuff with audio it definitely stands out to me you know Mm -hmm. so um, Mm -hmm. uh, that is how you came to my attention um, and you know one of the reasons I started listening right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so that that was a video that you know I put out there just to push the envelope it took him a year and a half to demonetize that um, and then I just ended up just age restricting it because, you know, what do you, so I think when you age restrict a video, what does that actually do? I don't. Yeah. So, um, age restriction automatically makes the, um, video ineligible for monetization. Even like YouTube red. Yeah. Or premium, whatever they're calling it now. What do they call it? YouTube premium. Or? Yeah, I think so. Or whatever. It, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure. Cause usually when a video gets demonetized, mm-hmm. it will say you're still eligible for YouTube Red mm-hmm. or YouTube Premium mm-hmm. uh, money, but not uh, non, like they got to put it behind the paywall essentially, money. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, I believe when you age restrict it, it takes the ads away completely. Oh, completely, okay. Yeah, um, because the assumption is that advertisers don't want to be associated with adult material. Um, again, kind of going back to... It's ridiculous. Yeah, complete <laughs> hypocrisy. <laughs> so, um, you know, advertisers are biting at the bit to be associated with um, romantic comedies, the Hallmark yeah. Channel, yeah. Um, you know, late night cable, um, you know, just a lot of things that are, you know, a lot more explicit than my audios. It's funny. It's interesting. Based on last night's conversation, mm-hmm. uh, when I went home, uh, I was like searching some stuff. I was curious mm-hmm. about um, the hypocrisy sort of mm-hmm. inherent in, well, you have YouTube, which is this kind of open uh, platform or YouTube premium, which is a monthly payment, right? Uh, and they're trying to police it um, so strictly. So I was like, well, I wonder like, for instance, on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Netflix, I don't know if everybody knows, here knows what Netflix is. <laughs> <laughs> This is a place assume. you can go and you can pay a monthly fee and yep. you have access to, uh, for me, it's access to the office basically is what I, is what I, that's um, totally worth it. Yeah. I just rewatch office episodes over and over again. Um, but I was, I was curious, I was curious what the most risque thing on Netflix was. Um, so last night I actually, I Googled that and I was like, oh, I wonder what it is. Like, and the first thing that came up was this uh, movie called Love. And so I was like, okay, well, what, what do they mean by this? And it is, it is, it would be, uh, it would be an X-rated film mm-hmm. at least. I mean, it's got yeah. full frontal nudity, full frontal, it's got penetration. It's got, it, I was shocked I, and, and not necessarily in a bad way, but I was like, oh, I thought Netflix, you know, would have, you know, been the most uh, stringent out of all of the platforms about keeping anything. And it's not, it's also not one of those movies. It doesn't ever show up. Right. Like you have to, yeah. you have to you look, have to for, look it. for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of like the secret category movies uh-huh. or something. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, my uh, eight year old daughter or my three year old mm-hmm. son or whatever, if they, you know, happen to search for a movie called love on Netflix, mm-hmm. they would, they would, 
find it. Mm. I, like Netflix is not a platform where I'd ever thought I had to worry about like uh, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, for my kids, like specifically, mm -hmm. right? And not yeah. for anybody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I actually was like, oh, well, th th there was part of me that was just like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> 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 so um, we know that Google, Google search or Netflix search results are going <laughs> to... <laughs> that oh. movie's gonna go crazy now. <laughs> oh well, there, it's also in my recently played. So <laughs> if any of my, not that uh -oh. I would ever share my Netflix account with anyone because that's illegal and you're not supposed yeah, to do, do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> but if I did, they're gonna see that movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, I I just find this whole not suitable for advertisers. I just think it's bullshit. Um, because it's not true. Um, they are more than happy to line up to promote, you know, things that are much more sexual and and also things that are so violent and awful. Oh, we don't care about violence and death, yeah. right? Nobody cares about that. I mean, <laughs> it's like, you know, would you rather have, you know, watch people killing each other and blowing things up or... Two people making love. I mean, right. Uh, uh, think of the horrible consequences that could come from watching people making love, uh, yeah. especially in the non-misogynistic sort of um, true intimacy and and the sort of with love sorts of ways in which mm -hmm. your channel operates and mm -hmm. most ASMR. Mm -hmm most sexual ASMR operates that way because right. it's almost like a tenant of ASMR yeah. for yeah. it to be that way. Right. So yeah, imagine you'd have you have. It'd be the summer of love all over again. Right? It's really sad <laughs> and when you make that comparison with violence. Um, I recently went back and watched, rewatched uh, The Fisher King, which is a Terry Gilliam movie from mm -hmm. uh, the late 80s, I believe, yeah. or, or maybe 1990, but I think late 80s. Um, and it's a great Robin Williams performance. Mm -hmm. It's a great yeah, Jeff Bridges really performance as Terry Gilliam. So it's, you know, it's got a lot of great imagery in it as well. Um, but in that, it's a minor spoiler for The Fisher King, but it's been out for 30 years, so yeah. I'm you know, too bad. <laughs> um, uh, in that uh, movie, Robin Williams is haunted, you find out, by uh, a shooter who came into a restaurant and uh, shot and killed his wife and a bunch of other people, right? And uh, so I'm watching the movie and I'm seeing where that event happens and they were, you hear about it on the radio and they say, like, you know, seven people died. And my immediate reaction was, that seems low, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's like, wow. Like, I remember when I saw that movie originally, I was like, that is shocking. That is effed up. Yeah. And now watching it, I'm like, only seven. Like, you oh, know, really? like okay. in that's order for, day. yeah, in order for it yeah. to make an imprint so on me terrible. now, it's got to be at least double digits. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that is a direct result of, how can anyone say that's anything other than a direct result of, uh, exposure to violence. And I'm not even mm -hmm. saying that, like, you know, we should look into uh, limiting the way we expose people to violence in media. Like, I, th I don't think censorship should really right, play a I part agree. in that. It should be um, handled on a person-to-person, family-to-family, or whatever uh, sort of basis. Um, but if it is the height of hypocrisy for us to be like, well, no, sex and, and intimacy is not allowed. Mm -hmm. But walking into a restaurant and shooting people. Sure, no problem. Okay. Yeah. In fact, that's 
we'll, we'll pay double for that. Right. right. You know? right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It just is so crazy to me. Um, the, the things that we allow and that we normalize and then the things that we try to set over to the side and say, no, that's not okay. Um, it, it's just, it's so screwed up. So, uh, I have more stuff. You okay. <laughs> um, so this is still kind of in, in, well, I mean, uh, there's some overlap here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that is happening in ASMR more and more and for different ASMR channels, especially bigger ASMR channels are sponsorships, right? Yes. Um, I have thoughts on that, like as a practice and, uh, not necessarily as something that, you know, like feelings that I have that either they should or shouldn't be done, but I just have thoughts on like how they should or shouldn't mm-hmm. be done. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are or exposure is or experience has been. Yeah. So um, I think like probably most ASMR artists out there, um, I get solicited quite often for sponsorships. Can, can I just say mm-hmm. I have never ever really once been solicited for anything really ever yeah i get them all the time i feel i feel left out i feel like i'm left out of the club because nobody (laughs) has ever asked me nobody has ever asked me to sponsor anything oh my gosh um and i drink coke in so many of my videos (laughs) (laughs) what a what a wasted opportunity (laughs) start tagging them on twitter (laughs) i'm I'm gonna start putting a brown paper bag over (laughs) cans of coke (laughs) but i'm sorry but i i do i get solicited all the time and um, one of the things that always strikes me is that they obviously have actually never watched my channel because you know a lot of them are like and maybe it is because I'm female, because a lot of them are, now that I'm thinking, a lot of them are like makeup and um, like brushes, like makeup brushes and shoes I've had. Um, George Watch contacted me recently, which I actually Oh, apparently, have. yeah, they contact a lot of, yeah, yeah I have a George Watch. Yeah. I love them. I think they're a fantastic company. And it wasn't that I had a problem mm. with their product. Now I'm suspecting what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that I had a problem with their product. Um, at least from what I know of them, they seem like a good company yeah. uh, to work with. Um, but I, I just, I was in the process of moving and yeah. getting everything but ready. I, I saw like in the yeah. period of like a few weeks, there were like mm-hmm. three or four ASMR. Well, like, yeah, that was the other thing too. It's just like, it's way overexposed. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, there were a few reasons why I didn't. They didn't contact me. Didn't do it. Really? No, no I never. I, I've been contacted so for bizarre. like, um, networks right that happens mm-hmm. all the time but mm-hmm. that's those are all scams right, right yeah. uh, but i've never been contacted for oh would you like to use this oh, thing or we'll send you this right. never 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 please God. i'm gonna say no but there i want to be, be like a mailing list or something out there <laughs> i want to be contacted I, I i want the i want the choice i don't want to do it mm-hmm. I, but i want the choice to be able to be like yeah. oh i thank you for asking yeah. i'm not gonna do it but <laughs> thanks now i feel better and i um i haven't done any of them I'm trying to think if I've done any at all. The um, I'm trying to think. I feel like maybe I have. I just can't. The, um, <laughs> I can't think of it. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just I just showed her my really poorly written note, which I'm surprised that you probably just saw the V. I'm guessing. In, in, Vibrator. Yeah, because of my handwriting is atrocious. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we were talking about vibrators before we started recording. 
we have a selection out in front of us yes. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all my toys out. <laughs> People are going to think we got up to naughty things <laughs> in our hotel room here. Let them think that, that, that's, you know, so every, before we get into the vibrator talk, every ASMR collaboration that I've done, mm-hmm. almost, with the exception of, I think, maybe one time or maybe two times, they've always been in hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been me and another person going into a hotel room with tons of lights <laughs> and camera equipment. <laughs> and so for for us, it was just I just had the one bag for the for the right, audio equipment. Yeah. But mm-hmm. even that looked a little like like it almost looked like a. Uh, it looked like, like a, a rifle case. Yes, like yeah. I thought they were gonna think I was like a like. Oh, he's going up to the third floor. <laughs> right. Who's he? You know. Shoot him up. Um, so, but yeah, but like all of my other collaboration experiences have been, we got to get this stuff up there. And one mm-hmm. I did uh, with ASMR Creations was mm-hmm. in a B and B, where like it was the it it could not have been a worse situation as far as um, the owner was giving us so much personal attention. Oh. The room was at the very top of the house. Mm-hmm. So I had to go all the way up through all these sets oh of stairs and past all these other areas. Mm-hmm. And basically like the first four hours of that was me like going to my car and like trying to kind of surreptitiously <laughs> carry a couple bags <laughs> and go down and get a couple more bags. Oh my it. gosh, how funny. Yeah, and then when I left the next morning, mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, whatever. I just, I just went down. Yeah, at that point, like they saw, a couple of them saw like me just like dollying out all this stuff. And, at the, and I'm sure they were like, oh. What what was going what got yeah. up to so I always mm-hmm. think that when we go into hotel hotel rooms or whatever you know mm-hmm. the, the, there are people that see uh, what's going on they automatically assume oh they're shooting porn shooting porn yeah, yeah. Shooting right porn. Yeah. right <laughs> and they make a judgment yeah right yeah and if it. it's, especially if it's like me and ephemeral rift we'll mm-hmm. go, uh, that's right. uh, I'm sure that's that's happened yeah. many times yeah. yeah oh my god that's too funny well that video was amazing. The one that you did with ASMR Creations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun working oh, with her. So she, didn't... She's great. Well, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but the ending was awesome. I <laughs> <laughs> loved it. That's, that's, that's become like my go-to ending. I, I got I to gotta start mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> Getting predictable. Yeah. <laughs> that's too funny. Okay, so let's talk about vibrators. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I wasn't trying to deflect. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, I am actually, um, my audio is my female, um, let me back up. Um, yeah, so the vibrate, vibes vibrator. Um, so I got involved with them. Is vibes? Vibes. Like bees? Like, is, yeah, is there a logo like, like a bee like or something buzzing? B-I-B-E-A-S-E. Oh, okay. Vibes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got involved with them in a roundabout kind of way. It was kind of interesting. I was telling you this story earlier. Well, we talked about a lot of things earlier. Let's just say that. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there was a male artist that I listened to, and I've promoted him quite a bit. Um, you guys probably know him, Gale Force. And um, he has a lot of audios 
in the Vibe's fantasy store. And the thing that's really cool about the audios in the Vibe's fantasy store is they sync up with the Vibe's vibrator. So it's such a cool idea. I know it's really cool. <laughs> so, you know, if things are getting hot and heavy in the story, then, you know, um, the vibrator gets kind of hot and heavy with you and, um, you know, vice versa, if things are slowing down and getting really sensual, then the vibrator gets, you know, like really kind of, you know, Hey baby, very white. <laughs> it's like the coolest thing ever. So I was on their fantasy store and I started realizing that they didn't really have any female for female audios. Um, there wasn't really any kind of lesbian selection or, you know, something aimed towards um, girls who are bisexual. So, you know, I was like, wow, this is a company for women. You know, this is a, a product marketed mainly to women, although men can use vibrators. My listeners know that. I've educated them about that and they've gotten into it a bit. <laughs> I have no um, idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, going off on a tangent, Hot Octopus is an amazing British company, and they make vibrators specifically for men, which I've heard are amazing. Um, so I, I, I love yeah. the company name, mm -hmm. Hot Octopus. Hot Octopus. <laughs> that was great. They're <laughs> great. Um, so going back to my, my story. So uh, these vibrators are really cool, and I realized they didn't really have a lot of content for, you know, for women. Um, so I reached out to them, and I said, hey, you know, I'm a female artist. I do erotica. Um, you know, I do audios for men and women, and I'd really like to do some female-for-female -female audios and put them in your fantasy store. Is that something that you'd be interested in? You know, and they were really excited because apparently they have um, a difficult time finding female artists who want to record that type of material. So if you are a female artist who records that type of material, reach out to them. Um, they may be willing to put you in their store. And they definitely could use a bigger selection of that. So the more the merrier. <laughs> Come join me, girls. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I did some audios for them and I have like three audios up right now. I'll be doing more in the future, um, but that's what I have over there now. And they sync up with the vibrator and I just think it's the coolest thing ever. So I believe that I did a video or like an audio about that. Um, the fact that I'm over there and you know, that I really endorse this product and I think it's really cool. Um, I have one, I use it. Um, although I have to say that um, I'm not a big vibrator user. Um, that's just for me personally, because I think sometimes um, you can get desensitized when you use a vibrator, and so it's a little bit harder to get off of the partner. But, um, you know, maybe it's good to switch it up every once in a while. And sometimes when you're on your own, ladies, you know, you gotta, <laughs> girls gotta do it for themselves. <laughs> also, if you're if you're lazy or tired yeah that's true yeah you know if you, if you work with your hands a lot you know uh, you're just really tired at the end of the arthritic. day yeah. yeah you got arthritis right and you know the other thing about the hot octopus company is they actually um they have a whole section of their website devoted to people with disabilities and they make products specifically aimed towards people who, with disabilities and um, older people who have arthritis in their hands or, you know, can't handle smaller objects. They're an amazing company. See, now um, I'm, I'm going to check them out. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're really great. Um, and they have a fantastic Twitter. <laughs> they're always like, they they're do like fun, fun yeah, kind of they do really cool things on Twitter. But um, so, yeah, they're, you know, there are a lot of, you know, again, kind of going back to this, this idea that there's not, you know, not everybody is, you know, fully physically functional, 
not everybody is 20 years old. Not everyone is partnered or has the ability to have a partner or wants a partner. You know, there, there are so many people out there in so many different situations. And I just think it's really cool that we as artists can kind of address that. I also think it's cool to find companies who are thinking outside the box and making for products for people who, you know, aren't normally seen as sexual beings or people who are allowed to be sexual. Um, you know, we look at older people and, you know, we think, oh, you know, their life is over. They're not sexual. They don't have those feelings. They don't have those needs and wants. That's not true. You know, and we look at people who are maybe physically disabled or in wheelchairs and we say, you know, oh, you know, they're not sexual. They, they don't, you know, they can't have that in their life. That's not true. Um, and so I think it's really cool to, you know, to find companies that are addressing that and helping people to, you know, have a full human experience, you know, and be able to express their sexuality. I think that's really neat. I think, and, and as I mentioned, yeah, before, like the overlap sort of, of, uh, sexuality and the sponsorship mm -hmm. stuff that we were talking about. Um, I, I feel like, um, ASM artists, uh, people who do ASMR and, or rather people who listen to uh, a given ASM artist mm -hmm. and do so a lot um, and have somebody like that's their go-to. Mm -hmm. uh, it's possible that for a lot of people that ASM artist is the closest friend that they have yes. in their life, right? Mm -hmm and the most trusted person that they have in their life, much more so than um, how you might relate to a character in a movie or a character on a television show. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to sponsor sponsorships, uh, I think that's where I get little alarm bells that kind of go off in my head sometimes uh, where I feel like, um, and, and maybe the answer is as simple as what we were talking about with sexuality, right? Mm -hmm. As long as every, everything is clearly defined. Mm -hmm. um, but I really, really feel very strongly that, uh, that there is a response, that, that ASMRs have a responsibility to their fans, uh, or to not even their fans, I'm sorry, the people that listen to them, um, the people who have, even if it is one-sided trust, right, who have... Uh, developed that because you you can't say it's not real right because it is real for for a mm -hmm. lot of these people yeah. even if it's not two-way it is still real mm -hmm. for these people and if you told them like if you there are asmrs who if they wanted to start a riot they could right mm -hmm. um yeah, and on a very real level like like our voices are going into the deepest recesses of people's brains mm -hmm. at a point where they're at their most vulnerable, when they're you know falling asleep a lot of the right. time, they're prone to suggestion. There, uh, there's all sorts of reasons, mm -hmm. uh, and the intimacy factor means that typically you only hear this kind of you only you don't you don't let anybody whisper in your ear. Right, right? the people that whisper right. in your ears generally are people you know, love or trust or all three. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you definitely know on my own, no, yeah. right? um, <laughs> but you either, you know, you trust them or love them or, yeah. you know, or both, yeah. um, which puts the ASMRs in a position of great power mm -hmm. and, you know, great power, great responsibility. Exactly. Um, 
so I, I have had, um, I think, issues in the past where I've seen uh, videos where people do sponsorships without making it clear that mm. it's a sponsorship. And yeah. I'll just be watching a video and I'm like, oh, this person's mentioning this thing a lot, mm -hmm. right? Um, and there's no, there's nothing. And I actually think there's a YouTube guideline against that and that if you get paid... Yeah, you're supposed to, whenever you upload a video, that's one of the options in the advanced section is you're supposed to click the box if there's a paid promotion in the video. Mm. Um, you're supposed to click that. Now, I'm not sure what that does to the video. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know because, like I said, no one's ever no one's ever asked yeah. me to sponsor anything. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, and maybe that's tainted. That's biasing my whole opinion mm -hmm. in this right. matter. I because just if feel anybody's like, out there that can get him on the mailing list, come do on. It. I could sponsor... Um, I don't even know what, what the heck could I sponsor. <laughs> poisons. <laughs> if, you want, if you have poisons, you would acne like to. Poison. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. You should just start promoting acne products. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wonder. I wonder how you feel about that. Um, that responsibility and how it pertains to even like, you know, this could even be uh, something where I have to turn. The crosshairs back on myself right and, and say like well i'm i'm sharing my political beliefs because i, I do that uh, right. on my channel quite a bit uh and, well not quite a bit but i do do it mm -hmm. um and maybe that's almost an abuse of power right mm -hmm. um I, I don't know how i think asm artists by their nature are very introspect introspective people mm -hmm. yeah. um i can remember like i used to just assume that if you were an ASM artist that you had uh, depression or anxiety mm -hmm. or something like that. And I remember speaking, talking to uh, Heather Feather, who I don't Yeah, she, oh yeah. yeah. yeah um, and asking her, I was like, oh, so, so you know, what's your, what's your problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, right. I, I'm, yeah. I'm depressed, what's your, right. and she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, oh, I just assumed everybody who was mm -hmm. an ASM artist yeah. had had some kind of issue, yeah. you know, that they were, right. uh, it was like a physician heal thyself kind mm -hmm. of thing, right? Yeah. Um, which apparently is not the case for everybody, right? But it is the case for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But um, so I, I think I would have to kind of uh, look at myself as well and say, uh, if I'm promoting my own political agenda, is it fair for me to do that when people are in a state of suggestibility? Um, so I wonder what you think about mm, that. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that aspect right. of it. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think that we have a real duty of care um, because like you said, there's such a high level of intimacy and trust, um, even if it is just you know one-sided. And people are very vulnerable and suggestive at the point when they are listening to what we're creating. So, you know, I think ethically we, we do have a duty of care there. Um, and yeah. I think that we do need, just like with our labeling of, you know, adult content or, you know, age restricted content, I think that we also need to be very clear when we're promoting products. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I really like it when, cause I've had that happen too, where I've been watching videos and I'm like, you know, wow, this really seems like a bit of an infomercial. Right. Um, but then at some point they'll kind of stop and say, oh my gosh, you know, like, I know I'm mentioning this a lot, you know, but I'm not actually being paid. Like I'm not, 
promoting this right, product. Yes. I just yeah, I've, I've, really, I've, really like it. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and um, you know, and I think that's cool. Yeah, if that's genuine, that, that yeah, that's if totally that's real. You know, but we need to be clear about that yeah. because you know it usually is very obvious when someone is promoting a product. You know, it does start to feel a little infomercially, um, at least to me. Um, but again, you know, if you're falling asleep and you're just kind of not really focusing too much, you know, maybe you won't catch it. Right. Um, or subliminally, you, yeah, you will plant a seed. Exactly. That, right. Uh, like you wake, wake up, up and you, yeah, and you're like, <laughs> I have to buy a something right. toothbrush or a, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, I think that we should be really, really clear right from the get go. Like, hey, I'm going to talk about this, but, you know, I'm not actually being paid to promote this. I just really like it and I want to share it with you guys. Or, you know, hey, I'm being paid to promote this item. Um, you know, you can, you know, whatever vetting procedure that people have before they take on promotions. I mean, I guess that's, you know, going to have to be something that everyone decides for themselves, um, how much or how little they vet what they're promoting. Um, and I think that listeners should be able to be aware that something's being promoted you know, and then kind of take that with a grain of salt because you don't know how much vetting has actually gone into on the in the background. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like there is it goes beyond just sponsorships because there, and this is literally just occurring to me as we're talking about it, um, and I I'm realizing part of it is fueled by me realizing that I am guilty of of this mm-hmm. uh, myself, but like the idea of ethical ASMR Mm -hmm. and um, being really cognizant of um, of and it's not it's not about like it it almost sounds like it almost sounds arrogant but there are and and so you know let's remove ourselves from it but there are ASM artists who definitely have like a grip on people like probably nobody else in their life yeah. has. Yeah. And um, I think as a community, especially if we as a community are reaching out towards and developing, we're, we're nascent, right? And mm-hmm. we're, we're becoming something. We're in the process mm-hmm. of becoming. Um, this is when we need to uh, codify like what our ethical standards mm-hmm. are and what it means. Right to be an ethical ASM artist and what ethical ASMR is. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I, obviously I don't have a solution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe right. that is something that, and I'm sure other people have thought about this, mm-hmm. right? But, yeah. but I haven't really until, <laughs> until now. Um, but it is definitely mm-hmm. something that I feel like I need to, need to uh, think about. And maybe, maybe that is a reason not to uh, infuse politics into into mm-hmm. ASMR. Maybe that uh, you know. I don't know. Uh, although I, don't know, I could argue both sides of it, I suppose, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, come out with whatever answer I probably wanted mm-hmm. when I started arguing with well, myself. I mean, I think I think it's kind of the same kind of guideline. You know, as long as people know what they're getting into from the get go, yeah. you know, they can make that an informed decision about you know do do I want to listen to this and you know potentially hear a view that either I agree with or don't agree with, or, you know, that maybe I'm on the fence about it. Um, you know, or do I want to move on to something else that's, you know, not political? Um, I think, you know, if people kind of know what they're getting into from the get go, then they can make that informed decision. Cause that's really what it's all about. 
you know, as long as someone has the opportunity to make an informed decision about what they're consuming or not consuming, you know, I think that's really the key factor there. Um, you know, and I think also we always have to remember that a lot of people are coming to us in their weakest, darkest moments. Right. Because, you know, we provide comfort and intimacy to people who are hurting. And so, you know, there there really is a level of vulnerability and there's a level of, you know, just, you know, I'm not quite sure how to express it, but, you know, it's like, you know, someone's wounded and they show up at your door, you know, that's exactly. That's exa- yeah. You, you have a duty of care there. And I think that that's really important for us to remember. Um, you know, and also people sometimes do crazy things when they're hurting and when they're wounded, um, that maybe they wouldn't do when they're whole. And, you know, a lot of times part of their journey of becoming whole again is our art you know, what they get from that. Um, and so, you know, sometimes people can get overly attached. Um, you know, sometimes they can take the fantasy a bit too far. Mm-hmm. And I think that's... That's happened to you. That's Yeah, you know. it has. Um, you know, and I think that's a function of someone being, you know, hurt and broken. Um And so, you know, I have to keep myself safe and I have to make sure that I maintain boundaries, but, you know, that's not someone to be made fun of. That's not someone to ridicule. That's not someone to take advantage of because, you know, there's also the real possibility, like you said, you know, some people have a listener base that would do anything for them, anything Mm -hmm. that they say. And you know, you have to be really, really careful not to take advantage of people, not to use people, not to let all the attention go to your head. Yeah. You know, you can't internalize that. You know, you have to remember that you're playing a character and you're providing a fantasy and, you know, you're, you're providing art and you have to remember why you're doing it and what you're doing it for you know, and not let the rest of it, not, like, don't get wrapped up in it. You know, this this whole thing with, you know, oh, I've got, you know, 5,000 subs now. i got 10,000 subs now. I've got 100. Like, it's a competition or a contest, and you're just racking up bodies. Um, you know, I mean, I like to see my listener base grow. I like to see my, my sub count grow. Um, it's exciting, yeah. you know, because it means that I'm reaching more people. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so if you can think of it that way, I think it's great. But when it starts to become a competition among artists, like who can get to, you know, whatever amount first, we kind of forget the whole purpose behind why we're doing this. Yeah. And, and I agree. Right. Like that uh, was a total tangent, but well, <laughs> it kind of, kind of came up. No, I, I think that because there are ways, uh, to inflate your sub count mm-hmm. that could be considered unethical. Yeah, right? definitely. Um, so yeah. And I'm not, I don't want to get into specifics or, or yeah. names or anything or anything like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, there are things you can do. I mean, uh, and you can either choose to do them or not do them. And, and you know, part of that also might depend on, I mean, if you're doing ASMR for a living or you're mm-hmm. not doing ASMR for if you're doing ASMR for a living, you may have to do some things that you wouldn't do otherwise because you mm-hmm. need to 
meet you need to pay for your rent you need to pay you know right. you need to um and i do feel like right uh, it doesn't give you a free pass but mm-hmm. but maybe it lets you uh, maybe it lets you bend the rules a little yeah. more. Well, I mean, I think when your art becomes your business, mm-hmm. you're wearing two hats and they're not always compatible. Um, you know, you're wearing your artist hat and you're wearing your business person hat. And at times those roles are going to conflict with one another yeah. and you're going to have to make a choice. Um, and like you said, if this is what you're doing to pay your rent and to put food on your table, you're going to probably pick the business person over the artist. Um, you know, and you've got to decide, you know, how much of that am I willing to give up? You know, where where is the line for me? What's the proper balance for me, you know, as an artist? And, you know, how can I still be in line with, you know, what I feel are really my ethical obligations, you know, in this forum, you know, versus what I need to do to maintain my living and survive? Um, and I think that's where it starts getting really complicated. Right. Um, so, you know, I have really conflicting thoughts about this because I would like to create more. I would like to move more towards this being, you know, a sustainable job for me. Um, but at the same time, I'm aware that that may take something away from it um, when it gets to that point. Because I may have to, you know, take on sponsorships. I may have to do, you know, other things that maybe I wouldn't have artistically, organically done. Right. If I was just doing it for the art. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think that's a really hard position to be in. Um, yeah, for me, it's always been, mm-hmm. I just, uh, I don't want it to become my sole, my source of income because mm-hmm. I would just start to not like it because now I had to do it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. The moment I have to do it. um, Yeah. So anytime you turn something that you love into your job, it, that's going to happen. You know, and there's that saying that, you know, if you do something you love, if your work is something you love, you, or if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I think that's kind of bullshit. Yeah, you'll work 365 <laughs> days a year. Yeah. <laughs> 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, I I do love the work that I do uh, outside of ASMR, mm-hmm. uh, but I like the freedom that I have to, uh, although I do feel, I, like I often feel guilty mm-hmm. about uh, my, the output, the low output that I have, you know, um, and I often feel like, why am I not, inspired more often or what can I do to be inspired more often? Where can I, where can I find these wells of inspiration? Um, because that's where more often than not, it comes from, um, the diehard ASMR video. The reason that I, the whole reason I did that was because I saw a Reddit thread where someone made a Christmas ornament of, Basically, they just took like a little box covered mm-hmm. in tinfoil and put the picture of Bruce Willis in there. And that <laughs> was a hilarious. Christmas ornament. That's awesome. And I was like, oh, that is a great Christmas ornament. And also, I want to do that right. now, right? Yeah, like, like I never know where it's going to come from. So I try mm-hmm. to just like expose myself to as much art as as mm-hmm. I can yeah. um, or entertainment slash art. But mm-hmm. that's also, you know, a lot of times when I'm looking for it, that's when it's least likely to come mm-hmm. to me, right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and then I just feel bad that I just feel like, oh my God, it's another month where I've put out one video, you know, um, and I'll, I'll try and justify it and say, well, I put a lot of effort into it, but you know, I could also have, I could have done more, Um, (laughs) you know, there were, there were nights where I was like, I got nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Should I make a video? Uh, 
Well, it's hard when you're not super inspired. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, yeah. if if you're just going through the motions, I think people can tell. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't ring true. Um, so at least for me, especially with the the sensual and the erotic ASMR. I really, oh, yeah, even more. Yeah, that, I, I really have to be in that zone. I really have to be projecting that energy. I have to be living in that moment. And sometimes that can be really difficult, you know, because life doesn't always um, accommodate that. Yeah, that, that, that's, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that that seems much more difficult, right? Because um, there's so much, there's so many things like, I would think that could get you out of that headspace mm-hmm. like so easily. Yeah. And once you're out, I would think that it is very difficult to get back in. Yeah. Um, there's enough problems. Like sometimes I'll be filming an ASMR video filming. Mm-hmm. I'll be shooting an ASMR video. Mm-hmm. And if, if there's one noise, I'm okay. If there's like two noises yeah. eh, and, uh, or if, if it keeps, it keeps happening mm-hmm. at some point, I just kind of throw my hands up. Right. I'm like, ah, forget it. I'll just do yeah, this. You know yeah. how much editing you're going to have to do. Right. Yeah. And you know, you get so tired of having to redo your lines right. over and over again that yeah. yeah, you just get, you get completely out of that headspace yeah. and it's like, forget it. I'm done. Yeah. And you become your own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. But So I would imagine doing anything where it is uh, sexual and you're conveying that. And, and, and mm-hmm. it, it can be that way also with regular non-sexual role plays as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you're right. Like the more it involves inhabiting a mood, mm-hmm. the harder it is to do it when there's some kind of interruption. Okay, it won't right? go all the way back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he almost no, just fell out of his yeah. chair. <laughs> um, and that was an interruption that I that got me at. Now I don't, I don't know where I was talking about that's it we're done with this podcast <laughs> um so yeah I, I can see where that would be really really difficult um hmm. how how many videos so you're you're sort of in because you're in transition um there's a a down period for you now right? yeah so all of my main recording equipment is in storage right now um well it's in storage in the back of my my SUV, um, but it, soon it will be in actual storage. Um, and I don't anticipate having a permanent recording space where I can actually get all my equipment unpacked and set up again until probably like mid-February. Um, so I actually haven't posted anything on YouTube for a couple of months. Um, most people who, who listen to me regularly, especially my patrons, they know that this has been a really rough year for me personally. Um, my mom's had four different heart attacks. She's been in and out of the hospital. Um, all four of those this year? This year. Wow. Yeah, all four. Um, and the last one was, was very, very serious. We didn't think she was going to make it. Um, so that's been very stressful. And then I've had a lot going on at work. Um, it's been, it's been really difficult. Um, and then I was planning for this move and getting ready for the move and doing everything that that involves. Um, and I'm becoming a minimalist apparently <laughs> because I got rid of everything in my house except what would fit in my car. That's a great thing. It's Does a, that feel liberating? Oh, God, it's fantastic. Yeah. But the emotional work that it took to get to that point yeah. was very draining and, and really intense. Um, and so you know, kind of being in like survival mode with my family, being in survival mode at work, and then trying to do all of this emotional work, you know, to get to the point where I could actually make this move. And just also just the physical things I had to do, you know, to get ready to make the move. 
um, I didn't really have much left. And so even the thought of just doing like a comforting role play or a girlfriend audio for YouTube was just almost too much. Mm. You know, I just couldn't make it happen. Um, and doing erotica was almost impossible. Yeah. I, can, um, I, I can't imagine. How yeah. Long. Yeah. Because I just, I was so far from that kind of energy and that kind of headspace, you know, and I think when you have a partner, it can be a little different because, you know, they can kind of help you transition or they can move you into a different space, you know, with, with their energy. Um, but when you're on your own, like, it's just you and, you know, and you've either got to make it happen or not make it happen, you know? And I think that can be really difficult sometimes. Um, so, yeah. So I, I am hoping to get back to a regular, a regular, my regular schedule of posting twice a week on YouTube and once a week on Patreon, hopefully sometime, you know, February, March is what I'm hoping. That's probably um, when I'll put out my next video too. Yeah. So. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> Great timing. <laughs> we could do the premiere together. <laughs> I, I really, I love that feature. I know. It's I love so cool. Feature. It is um, all of the fun of a live stream without mm -hmm. the pressure mm -hmm. of the live part yeah. right um uh, so i i actually am, am really enjoying like a lot of the new tools that that mm -hmm. youtube is is introducing so it's not all doom and gloom with yeah. the yeah. demonetization but um uh, and you know um i don't want to i don't want to uh wear out wear out their novelty or anything or mm -hmm. you know uh, overuse them yeah. um but it is something where I think like, you know, if there's a video that I've worked especially hard on, mm -hmm. or I think, you know, you know, I might do a premiere for it, like mm -hmm. a, a premiere every few months or something like yeah. that. I was actually thinking because it's been so long since I posted on YouTube, I was actually thinking of doing that for the YouTube video that I, you know, eventually get recorded and, and uploaded. Oh, that's um, a great idea. Because, yeah. you know, it's been, I think it's been at least a month since I posted anything. And that was just the 25 question ASMR tag. Oh, right. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a bit of a Q and a, um, so an actual, like an actual audio, it's been probably two or three months. Um, and a girlfriend audio, it's been at least three months. Um, so I know everybody's waiting. I know you got people I who are know. like, where's, it's okay. Where's Hold on. Voice? Hold on just a little bit longer. I'll be there soon. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> um, so the last thing on our list, we've been going now for a long time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I want to break yeah. this up and do a few different episodes. Yeah. Um, the last thing I have is politics. Mm. All right, let's do it. So um, we talked about this extensively beforehand, and, you know, um, I'm sitting here with Phoenician Sailor. We're in Washington, D.C., <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot happening right now in American politics, especially um, with the Secretary of Defense resigning last night yeah. and the government getting ready to shut down. In 30 minutes. In the 30 minutes. Is going to shut down. <laughs> we thought it would probably be appropriate to have a little bit of political talk. So we're going to go ahead and move into that now. And if that's not your thing, um, then thank you so much for listening and love you very much. <laughs> and um, we'll see you next time. But if you want to stick with us for this portion, then let's do it. <laughs> okay. Politics. <laughs> well, that Trump, huh? He's. <laughs> <laughs>
He's a character. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to let everybody know right now that um, Phoenician Sailor and I are very in sync with our politics. <laughs> so neither one of us are Trump fans, and um, that's probably putting it very mildly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Like you said, I mean, there's so much, and and, and um, it is... Like I used to, uh, I used to have my alerts set whenever, whenever Trump tweeted. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, because I, I wanted to know what was mm-hmm. going on. Sure, like, yeah. And I had to stop that because it was, it was, it was ruining my life. Mm-hmm. Like it was, I, I would be, I was just in a bad mood like all the time. Um, and now it's at the point where like, I, I just, I don't know. I'm questioning everything and re-questioning everything because can the man really be that stupid or is he a troll, right? Like, like, like all the misspellings, all the, uh, uh, the poorly worded. So I'm talking about apart from policy, I'm talking about apart from, I'm just talking about when the man sits there and writes something oh, just right? basic grammar sentence structure yes, right yeah, yeah like i mean that yeah. that that is that is a direct insight into this person's mind mm-hmm. um and that is the mind that is making these decisions who the guy who said today that he knows more than anybody about tech and technology i saw that that that, that was that was a quote i know more than anybody about tech and technology by saying tech and technology, he just proved that he doesn't mm-hmm. know what right. he's talking about, right? right? Yeah. Not that anyone would think a 73-year-old man, or say, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure how old he is. Yeah, he's in uh, his 70s. Yeah, would be the the paragon of, of like, uh, being on top of uh, everything. To, uh, a real estate mogul? I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, but, and it's so, like, when he was talking about border security and he spelled it B-O-A-R-D-E-R, mm-hmm. like, I, there was a point where I was taking screenshots of everything because I was like, this is, you know, this buffoon is is our president. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? I haven't stopped doing that because there's just so many. And there are theories going around that are just like, he's doing it on purpose, mm-hmm. right? Like he's m- making these misspellings on purpose. He's 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 just trying to get, he for him, he doesn't care if it's good publicity or bad publicity, mm-hmm. he just wants the attention focused on him right. because mm-hmm. he's a megalomaniac, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have no doubt that he is a megalomaniac and a narcissist and, you know, uh, a sociopath, possibly a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he has some level of dementia. He has uh, um, he has some level of attention deficit. Yeah. Uh, he has, oh, yeah. like, there's, there's all kinds of red flags being thrown, you know, mm-hmm. Um, that nobody, and it's so funny how he talks about, or I, I think there was, was it, I don't know who it was who was defending him, probably McConnell or somebody was defending him saying that there's a high turnover because nobody can keep up with him. <laughs> You're right. Nobody can keep up with a guy who <laughs> will change his mind mid sentence mm-hmm. or, and then change his mind back at the end of the sentence. Mm-hmm. And then you think you've got him pinned down and then he'll walk out the door and, talk to the reporters and say something completely different than he just said mm-hmm. to you. Right. Um, and well, I, he's, he's the ultimate gaslighter. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's just what I think every time that I see these things happening, because that's what a gaslighter does. You know, they 
constantly change their story. You know, they, they make you think that you're crazy. They make you think that, you know, you can't figure out what's going on. You know, they're, they're just, you know, they're moving and shaking and you just can't keep up with them. Yeah. And so I think that he's done that to people around him for his whole life. Um, I also think that he's pretty much been surrounded by yes men. Oh yeah. He's been in an unreality bubble. You know, I was thinking about this when I was at the national portrait gallery this morning, I was looking at all the presidential portraits and they have this amazing display of Lincoln's portraits, but they also have, um, these masks that were made of his face and his hands. So it wasn't a death, death mask. It was actually made while he was alive. And apparently that was the fashion at that time was to make them when you were still alive. Mm -hmm. So there's two of them, and they also have a cast of his actual hands, which were just, just amazing. Um, Are they, like, really knobby and, like, I know he had Marfan syndrome in there. Yeah, so one of them is gripping, uh, like, a broom handle, and it said that he went out to the shed and broke off the broom handle, but he took time to sand it down and make it all smooth because he, he told the sculptor, well, I figured you'd want a, a nice one, you know? And it was just the coolest thing to just look at his hands and I remembered what he had said about his cabinet. You know, when he chose his cabinet, he chose people, a diverse group of people, not all of them who agreed with him. And mm-hmm. he thought that was so important because a president oh, yeah. should never be surrounded by people who just agree with yeah. him. You know, and I think that that's part of Trump's problem is that he's been surrounded by yes men his whole life. No one's ever challenged him. So he can say these crazy things and everybody just goes, "Mm, okay, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, You know, like you said, I think that there's probably, you know, definitely a narcissist, definitely sociopathic tendencies. But there's a disproportionate number of sociopaths that are CEOs. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens. That's that's how you get to that position. Sociopaths seek that sort of power. Exactly, right? So, you know, not too surprising there. Um, Yeah, so... He's, he's a lot have a lot of things I think in his life have led up to the man that we see in front of us right now, mm-hmm. you know, which I mean, I think that's true for everybody, right? You know, we all have a path that we follow that makes us who we are. But, um, I think the thing that's been so shocking for me, just absolutely still so shocking is that everyone is just sitting there, you know, and I was, I was so angry when I was in front of the Capitol building this morning. I was so angry, (laughs) you know, um, because they're all just sitting there letting him do it, letting him get away with it. But they all have their reasons for wanting to let him get away with it, right? Like, uh, there is, I mean, Mitch McConnell, I'm sure, um, would, would load the gun to shoot Ruth Bader Ginsburg Mm -hmm. in the head, right? Uh, John Roberts, actually, there was a ruling the day before yesterday where John Roberts um, ruled against Trump uh, for his immigration policy where the Ninth Circuit had, uh, you know, how Trump obviously hates the Ninth Circuit, Mm -hmm, right? right. Um, (laughs) um, But uh, so John Roberts was actually the tiebreaker vote Mm -hmm. and he sided with with the liberal Mm -hmm. uh, judges. He's Um, been a really surprising judge. Yeah, he has. I didn't expect for him to be kind of on the fence about some right. of the things that he's on yeah. the fence about. Yeah, Gorsuch yeah. is trash. Gorsuch is yeah. definitely um, just towing the line. But, and even as uh, much as I hate Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh 
voted against defunding Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. um, uh, which was everybody expected that he wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I, I still think he's a horrible person, yeah. right? <laughs> right. Um, but the truth is, if if like at this point, if if Trump gets to nominate another justice, then then we're in really big yeah. trouble. Like right. that, that's really. Right. Um, we're yeah, already because the executive and the legislative branch are already like pretty much one. So if yes. they get the judicial, that's yeah. it. Yeah, what we have the house, uh, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what yeah. are they gonna do? <laughs> right? Yeah, really. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was nice to see the midterm uh, mm-hmm. shift. Yeah. Obviously, I wish the Senate had had yeah. uh, changed. Actually, got worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't really a. a I don't think that was, uh, that wasn't a mandate of the people. That was more just a set of circumstances Mm -hmm. that of certain people who were no longer up for reelection, certain Mm -hmm. people who, uh, weren't able to run for one reason or another. And, um, a lot of obviously controversy. Right. Um, so I don't know, man, I, I I don't. Well, I also think we have a very flawed election system here. Yeah. So one of our main problems is that our election day is not a national holiday. Right. And some of you who are outside the U S may not realize that, but our election day is not a national holiday. And because we don't want poor people voting. Right. And employers are not required to allow employees time to go vote. Now, a lot of companies do have policies that allow that, but frankly it's discouraged and not all companies have it, especially companies that are paying people minimum wage yeah, or less. Especially blue collar service industry, blue right. collar, things like that. Um, so, you know, and then we have the the gerrymandering with the districts and, and the electoral college. Right. And then and then just flat out voter suppression. Yeah. Um, you know, like the ID laws and, you know, a lot of other things that disproportionately affect people of color <clears throat> and people on the lower socioeconomics um, rungs. So you know, we have a, we have a very flawed election system here that I think also really has contributed to all of this. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's pervasive through everything. It's the Mm -hmm. election system. It's the justice system. It's, Mm -hmm. uh, we have, uh, systemically, I mean, we, the United States was established by, uh, rich white land owning Mm men and, um, you know, we have, now we have, we've criminalized poverty to mm-hmm. the point where uh, prisons are pretty much legalized slavery. Yes, um, they are. You look at any docket at any, and, and it does not matter what the what the uh, racial uh, breakdown is of, for a given county, mm-hmm. if you look at a docket of like who's coming up for, you know, minor offenses, mm-hmm. um, it is by far, it's always disproportionately black or you know, not non-white, mm-hmm. black or Hispanic, right. uh, and most most of these people are young. Repeat. They've been in, they've been in for they've been arrested before, charged mm-hmm. before. Um, they end up having to plea. Um, they end up being put in jail for maybe mm-hmm. six months. Right? right. You, you know, they, they they're like, look, you know. We're only going to put you in jail for six months. Yeah, it's just long right? enough to destroy your life. Just long enough to, yeah, you're mm-hmm. disenfranchised. You mm-hmm. won't be able to get a job. In some states, you won't be able to vote. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, you know, if you go against us, you could get 10 years, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. um, it's it's really, and, and so this recent, I don't, 
I, I, it just recently happened. So the first step uh, bill that was passed, mm -hmm. which yeah. is uh, apparently a step in the right direction. It was in Florida, wasn't it? Uh, I, I don't the know. The voter rights. Oh, no, no, no. That, that's a separate. Oh, for, oh that was for something separate. Re, okay. For reinstating voter rights. Uh, yeah. After, yeah, for... yeah. Uh, no, this is the criminal act that just got passed that is apparently going to uh, shave hundred, I don't know how many years, like a hundred thousand years in total uh, off people currently serving oh, uh, okay. in prison. And this was, it seems against type uh, for him to, to do this. And I mm -hmm. wonder, so I'm always second guessing like what his motives are, why, why he's doing this. Like what, why is he now going against the mm -hmm. Republican mandate? Is it to, is it to confuse, is he a master at you say you mm -hmm. gaslighting, right? Yeah. But maybe yeah. he's like a master at playing everybody, <laughs> and he's going to now antagonize the Republicans just enough mm -hmm. that the on the fence Democrats and the on the fence Republicans will be like, "Oh no, this guy doesn't care about Republican or mm -hmm. Democrat. He's just going with his gut, right?" Yeah. Um, maybe maybe that's his plan. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's 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 really really difficult. You know, everybody says or people say in general you should assume positive intent in in this case i i, I think we should always assume negative intent yeah. at this point well right? i think we should always assume economic intent right okay yes okay um, personal uh, greed intent yes right. yeah. yeah because i mean it seems what it's appeared to be the entire time he was running and now that he's in the presidency is it's all about money for right. him. Yeah. So whatever he can do to make money, nothing else matters. You know, party doesn't matter. You know, nothing matters other than how can I make money off of this? How can I leverage this? Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Um, which, yeah, like at some point I... I, I well, and I think I think that other politicians do it as well, but they're just not as obvious about it. Oh yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, we've always been a corporatocracy. Mm -hmm. Yes, but now exactly. the, the veil has been lifted, and in a way, you know, it's nice that that's been exposed mm -hmm. and that pe people can't deny it. Right. Uh, because for the longest time, people that said, "No, no, we're a corporatocracy. We're being mm -hmm. run by corporations," were dismissed as extremists mm -hmm. and as you know, fringe people with conspiracy theories about right. how ExxonMobil, you know, controlled the mm -hmm. But now it's like nobody would, would argue that. Well, I mean, <laughs> just look at the history of the FDA. Just the FDA. It's literally a revolving door between industry and the government. You know, you need something passed through the FDA. Okay, great. Have an executive come over. Suddenly, oh, I'm retiring. I'm getting a government job. Their product gets passed. Oh, yeah. Next thing you know, they're back in industry again. Yep. It's a revolving freaking door. Yeah. So look at the history of that one administrative agency, and that's what's happening across our government agencies. Yeah. Uh, and look at Trump's cabinet, mm -hmm. right? I mean, right. Rex Tillerson was the CEO of ExxonMobil. Yeah, I mean, right? come on. <laughs> and yeah. he ended up hating Trump, right? Mm -hmm. he, right. That didn't work out so well. And <laughs> James Madison, mm -hmm. everybody, it seems like Kelly. I mean, mm -hmm. who... Yeah. Who has stuck around besides yeah, family? He, he was the last one, wasn't he, of the original? I, I think you might be right. I don't know 100% for sure, was. but yeah. I, I'm hard-pressed to think of anybody who was around when he, he in his cabinet mm -hmm. when he came into office who's right. still there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's trying to spin that as a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. And there are people who are trying to spin that as a good thing. Right. But everybody who's left has said, yeah, he's he's 
you can't work for this guy. <laughs> He's a nut job, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even by my standards, this right. guy's a nut job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy, but he's crazy. Yeah. So it, I, I just think, you know, um, who I, I wonder if you have a um, a favorite or an early favorite for a 2020 run. Hmm. Um, Beto comes to mind for sure. As running for president? Or? Yeah. Oh, okay. See, yeah. I I couldn't. To me, that's way too big a risk. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's young, and he didn't win. But, but um, it's not, not even that. It's just, and although, you know, again, with Trump now, it's like lack of experience is not is not a thing. Right. But right. I do think Beto is, would be considered risky. I think he'd probably be a good vice presidential mm-hmm. uh, pick. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Um, um, I mean, I love Bernie, but... I don't think that we need to keep dredging up the same candidates over and over again because yeah. I think that people are so turned off by that at this right. point. Like, right. you know, and no on Hillary. Absolutely not. Yeah, I think um, she's, she's got to throw in the towel at this point. Yeah. She, she's just, she's and you know, true or false, she's, if we're looking about who can realistically get elected, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to happen yeah, no, with her. Never. So. Um, I would love to see a female candidate. But I'm more, well, I mean, I know Elizabeth Warren's name has been thrown out there a bit, but I don't know. I just don't know about that. I think that that's also a lose situation. Um, I wonder, I I like Elizabeth Warren a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I also like Harris, so Mm -hmm. um, I would like to see either of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't imagine... It's so hard for me to imagine a situation where there are presidential debates post-primary um, where either of them would not just tear Trump to shreds, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, whether that matters, you know? <laughs> right. Well, it it didn't the first time around. Well, but, um, but I, I would well, argue that but Hillary... But I don't know that anybody really went after him. Yeah, see, I would argue that Hillary Clinton yeah. was showed too much restraint and also yeah. didn't have the ammunition that anyone mm-hmm. now would have right, after right. his first yeah, four years um, to go after him. Mm-hmm. So uh, I feel like whoever it is has to be really aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Which when women get aggressive, they're categorized as bitches, frigid, cold, yeah. like very negative connotations. Yeah. Um, the American public doesn't like to see women get aggressive. Right. It's very threatening. And so I think that's why a lot of women don't take that route and they really do themselves a disservice. Um, so, you know, that's where we talk about the patriarchy. We talk about misogynism, misogyny, you know, we, you know, there's, there's a difference between a man getting aggressive and a woman getting aggressive and how they're perceived. Right. Yes. Yeah. Men are supposed to get aggressive. It is, Exactly. The thing they're supposed to do. But it, it is interesting, and, and again, speaking as a, as a man, I don't, I don't want uh, to speak as a man. <laughs> um, uh, but um, Just say I have seen Elizabeth Warren <laughs> mm-hmm. be very aggressive, mm-hmm. and I have wanted to stand up and cheer. Mm-hmm. I have seen Hillary Clinton get aggressive, and felt and not felt that way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. 
Yeah. Uh, I can't put my finger on it. That's interesting. Um, yeah, and I, it, it may have some latent uh, sexist undertone slash overtone mm-hmm. that I am not aware mm-hmm. of. Uh, it may be something she resonates with somebody in my own life that mm-hmm. I that I compare her to. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and that's just me, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, what you're saying is, is mm-hmm. I think, obviously, it's a well-established mm-hmm. fact that when yeah. women get aggressive, uh, they're marginalized, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I still, I would just love, to, I, like, part of me has visions of Elizabeth Warren standing be, up there oh, and just amazing. like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah so I, I guess the the question is like what is the safe pick is there a safe pick mm-hmm. um are we just doomed to another four years um yeah you know i i kind of oscillate back and forth because sometimes i feel like a second term is inevitable at this point and other times i'm like no, we can like we can take this back. There's still time. Like there's still time. We can do this. If he gets a second term, he's definitely appointing at least one other judge. Yeah. Like that's Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um Yeah, and I mean it's it's gonna get a lot worse because he's not gonna be worried about reelection. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Right. And I mean he's already made several overtures about you know, postponing elections and, oh, yeah. you know, extending his term yeah. and he wouldn't be against that. Yeah. I mean, that, so that was the casual way he dropped yeah. it in. Like it was a joke, right? which it probably, you know, was half a joke and half mm-hmm. not a joke and, right. or maybe a way to introduce, slowly introduce it, like mm-hmm. keep dropping it into the conversation. Yeah. It's like, it's like boiling a frog, right? Yes, exactly. Slowly keep turning yeah. the temperature up yeah. and they don't even realize that they're getting boiled. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, that's what's happening to us. Like what you talked about with being desensitized to violence, right? We're being desensitized to, you know, an authoritarian regime. Yeah. yeah. Um, slowly, day by day, step by step, little inch by little inch. And, you know, if he gets a second term and he knows he doesn't have to worry about re-election, God knows what he'll do. Um, and it can all be done so quickly and so fast. And... That's how it happens. Yeah. You know, when you talk to people from these countries that have gone from democracies to, you know, autocracies, is that the right word? Yes, I think so. Um, you know, they, they just talk about how fast it happens and how quickly it happens and how insidious it is. And, you know, one day you wake up and you're not in the country that you knew anymore, yeah. you know, and people are knocking down your door and, you know, the press is gone. And yeah, this is what, ha- this is what happened yeah. in India in, in yeah. the early 20th yeah. century. Yeah. Um, uh, and people think, well, it's, it can't happen here. Um, can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, why, it can. Why can't it happen right. here? Right, it can happen anywhere. We haven't been around that long. Right. It's not like we're Yeah, this is, you know, this is still a grand experiment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it really is. Um, it was funny. I saw a quote, on the, a Benjamin Franklin quote on the wall today at one of the museums, and it said something like, um, you know, you can have democracy if you can keep it. It was something like that. Something like, here's democracy, let's see if you can keep it, or you can have it if you can keep it. Um, meaning, that, meaning that it's work. It requires yeah. participation. It requires, you know, you to be active. Right. Um, and I think we've kind of lost that a little bit. You know, I think we've lost that a little bit. Like, I remember 
I remember being a kid and one of the most important days in our house was election day. And I remember being so excited to go to the polls with my parents. And, you know, we would get a little sticker and, you know, my mom would and dad would, they were so serious about researching all the candidates and all the issues. I mean, all the way down to like school board, right? you know, and they drilled into us how important it was to be an active participant in our democracy and how important voting, like how important that right was and, you know, how honored we were to be able to do this. Like it was very special um, and really important. And you know, I still remember those feelings. I still remember, you know, I still have those feelings on election day and I take my vote very seriously, you know, and I do as much research as I can on the candidates and the issues. And, you know, it's getting harder and harder and harder, (laughs) you know, um, but I try to do my best and, you know, I've been voting absentee for a really long time now just because of how the elections worked in Arizona and, and how difficult they made it to vote at mm. times, um, especially in the last election. Like they closed polling places. They weren't letting people in. Wow. I mean, it was, it was really, really bad. Um, and there were a couple of them where people stood in line for eight or 10 hours with like no water, no bathrooms, nothing. Um, wow. Yeah. It was really bad. So, you know, I've, I've voted. It took me three minutes to vote. Yeah, see, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I've voted absentee for a really long time, but I always vote. Um, and, you know, I just think it's so important. And, you know, I, I just, I don't sense that in popular culture anymore. I don't really hear people talking about it, you know, on television. Well, I don't really watch a lot of television, but, you know, it's just not something that I really see a lot of anymore. Um, and maybe I'm not looking in the right places. I don't know, because I know there's a lot of really passionate activists out there, and I had the honor of working with a lot of them. Um, I, I do think there's a growing feeling of disenfranchisement, mm-hmm. and a growing feeling of my vote doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it weren't for the Electoral College, you know, or if the, the Electoral College did not exist, that would not be a thing, mm-hmm. right? Every vote would matter. Um, I don't, I, I mean, apart from, I, you know, I have yet to hear a good argument against uh, dismantling the Electoral College, uh, or at least an argument that I thought was good, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's so much, like, so much has changed. So uh, the population densities of our states and, and the distribution of people has changed so much over the last 50 years, not to mention 200 years, right, um, that... Uh, Things that it just seems like we're blindly adhering to these rules that were set up and were meant for totally different things mm, and yeah. were meant for totally, totally different, different purposes. Yeah, and the context has changed completely. And when the context changes, you have to reevaluate everything right. that goes with yeah. that context. But we're not doing that, right? right. Our constitution is a living document. Right. You yeah. know, the democracy requires our active participation. And yeah, you know, things change. And that's why the founders set it up the way that they did, because they knew that we would have to make adjustments along the way. Mm. Um, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that that sort of knee-jerk, uh, well, it's in the Constitution, right, is, is uh, I mean, it's a lazy. Yeah. It's a lazy oh, argument. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do we do? I don't know. Speaking talk about it on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, the, gov- the government is going to shut down in two minutes. Two minutes. Oh, uh, no. 
I don't know what that means. I don't. I I drove here. I did not. Uh, oh, that's good. I did not take any kind of public transit. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but I still don't know what I mean. Like I literally, like I I saw the the notice that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a partial government shutdown, but I'm not sure what it all what it entails. So, yeah. Um, so potentially um, the museum is closing, at least right. according to my Uber driver this morning. <laughs> yeah, and government workers not getting paychecks right, in the exactly. cycle before Christmas. Um, which... Potentially delays with tax filings yeah. and refunds. Um, you know, again, right when people are kind of counting on them. Right. Um, although I have opinions about using the government as your savings account. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't I, get interest. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't get interest. Um I think I think one thing that people don't understand, this is a total random tangent, but it's it's a real pet peeve that I have. I think one thing that people don't understand about tax returns is that is first it? of all, it's not automatic and it's not money that the government is giving you yeah. or that you're entitled to. It's money that they've overcollected from right. you that they have to give you back. And technically they don't really have to give it back to you. Um they could decide not to at any point. But so it is your money mm-hmm. from the moment that you made it, mm-hmm. and if it, if what we're saying is that, uh, you should get interest on on mm-hmm. taxes. Yeah, that are absolutely. Yeah, uh, and so you're also not getting interest. So you would be better off um, consult with your tax accountant. Everyone's tax situation is different. You should really only have the minimum amount that you need to cover what you might owe at the end of the year, taken out of your paycheck, and everything else you should take. And if you have extra, put it in a savings account and let it earn interest. So and exemption. It, Exemptions, exemptions, exemptions. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's one way to do it. <laughs> so consult with your tax account and everyone's tax situation is different. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this was not official advice. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, Off my soapbox. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've gone pretty long. I don't know if there's we anything have. else you want to... We talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah. We covered the gamut. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, my, my whole throat is like dry. <laughs> oh no, I know, me too. <laughs> like the kind of, the kind of dry that drinking water doesn't right. fix. <laughs> um, it's always been one of the things I hate about winter is like, it doesn't matter how warm you dress, you still have to breathe that horrible yep. cold air. Yeah. That's what always gets me. Um, yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. unless there's something else you want to cover, is there anything else you want to? No, I don't think so. I think we covered. I think we covered a lot. Um, we give a lo- hopefully we gave you a lot to think about. <laughs> um, I just intellectually, intellectually, see if I can say that word. Um, I really love to listen to people who either don't necessarily share my opinion or have knowledge about an area that, you know, I'm not really knowledgeable about knowledgeable about or have really thought deeply about. Um, because it gives me something to to chew on. Yeah. You know, to think about and to mull over and, you know, maybe do my own research or come back. You know. I mean otherwise you're dropped, right? right. I mean, if you're surrounded by people that only think what you think. Right, exactly. So hopefully we've done that for all of you this evening, um, giving you things to think about and mull over and digest. (laughs) And write hateful comments. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No hate now. If you don't agree, that's fine. But, you know, no hate. (laughs) All right. Well, this has been super, super fun. Yeah, this has been great. great Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. uh, 
um, both uh, yesterday and today were, were great. And so I'm glad that I got the chance to meet you. And uh, I didn't think that this was going to be able to happen. So. Yeah, we didn't think this was going to happen. Um, we thought we were going to miss each other because both of us were traveling. Um, and just by happenstance, um, we ended up to both be in D.C. at the same time. So, yeah, this was super great. And I'm really, really glad. <laughs> um, I've had, like, the best two days worth of conversations that I've ever had, that I've had in a really long time. So. Oh, wow. That's great. That's really, really sweet to hear. It's and been fantastic. The feeling is mutual. So. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so if you're listening to this on either my Patreon or my mm-hmm. channel, definitely go check out Grace, Grace, Grace's Grove. Grace's is your, Grove. Yeah. Yep. Um, and if you're listening to it on Grace's Groves. Yeah, <laughs> then you should definitely check out Phoenician <laughs> Sailor. He does amazing role plays, and he's kind of getting into doing some trigger videos. And, um, yeah, his channel is just fantastic. Um, the quality of his production is just amazing. Um, it's visually stunning. It I, is. It absolutely is. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So definitely go check him out. And um, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to actually do this as my podcast on Wake Up With Grace or if this will be posted on Patreon. I'm not really sure. So maybe I'll do a little of both. I don't know. Figure it out. I I think we've got like two and a half hours worth of uh, (laughs) stuff to play with so you could put parts in different places. Yeah, maybe it'll be like um, a Where's Waldo and you'll have to find all the pieces. Yeah, that'd be great. Like the, the... the hidden, like a clue to the link. Right. In, <laughs> exactly. Watch it to the end and you'll get the next clue. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Grace. Oh, thank it's you. Wonderful. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, I, I want to collab again, obviously. Yes. Right? Yeah, um, definitely. We um, we came up so, with some pretty wicked ideas um, <laughs> for some collaborations. So, um, I think we both have kind of similar sensibilities. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 And, uh, we might have a couple surprises for you guys, so stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So. Well, thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>